Hello, uh, I'm Simon. Welcome to the, I think, third episode of our politics sort of podcast. Um, which weird that it's the third episode, because it seems that since we did the first episode to cover the 2015 general election, there have been an infinity of elections, um, and we've been voting every five minutes. Um, and we've, and it's, it's apparently it's a lot easier to organise a nationwide poll uh, than it is for me to organise a few people coming around my house and talking about politics a bit. Um, yeah, so on this one we've got Chris Hodges and Joel Adams, me and Julia, uh, talking about things. I think it went okay. I'm a little bit... I kind of feel like I sound... I'm quite muddled in it. Um, I... I mean, I think I'm in the middle of a massive crisis of faith in the very concept of democracy, which uh, I didn't really realise quite how deep that went until I was in the middle of ranting about how uh, one is a pleb by choice in an information-rich environment, which is something I think I shouted Joel at some point in this. Um, so I don't know, I'm not sure I agree with myself in this entirely. I haven't decided yet. Uh, see what you think. I think we're going to try and do at least one more of these with just Chris, um, because uh, Joel's great, but uh, when it's me, Chris and Joel, we tend to be arguing, and I quite like to just talk to Chris about some of the things that we just agree with and have a kind of consensual uh non-problematic podcast with just him um, where we talk about progressive alliances and so on without anyone saying they're a terrible idea because they might be but maybe we'll do a podcast where that's uh, just taken as read that some people think that um, but really I'd like to do more if at all possible between now and the election so if you're listening to this and you want to do a podcast about politics with me uh, and Julia just come to our house and tell us, give us some warning and come over and, and record one. And really anyone who wants to do that, you're more than welcome. And I'd like to do just as many as possible because um, even though I hate editing podcasts more than anything else, uh, I do really like recording them. So maybe we'll find a way of, of making Julia do edits in future. I don't know. Anyway, uh, that's uh, blithering on. So it goes on for ages. Uh, dip in and out if you want. Have a listen. It's really, really long. Uh, it's about the election but it's not really it's mainly just old wounds about brexit joel is uh, the only brexit voter i think i'm still willing to allow into my house but even that's touch and go when i think you can just hear that a little bit yeah no we're friends uh, but he has ruined the life of my child but that was fine completely fine totally fine uh, he's got an excellent beard general election again I blame you Joel Adams for the tape he's looking at me who are uh, you Joel Adams I'm Joel Adams I'm a reporter in Brighton and I'm here as resident moderate <laughs> yeah you should start a French political party with the same initials as you is that one Macron has done yeah yeah that's what you have to do you have to, you have to think of your initials and then change them into a, a French on, progressive on slogan Macron. I didn't know it. I didn't yeah. I had not noticed that. I think it's intentional I think it's known it, to be intentional he's French and a politician one has to assume that there is a certain yeah. amount of arrogance which means that Jeunesse that's almost absolument Perhaps. Total Youth, that yeah. would be the name of my French political <laughs> yes, party. It would. Or wow. possibly the, the charge on the charge. Really French, I don't French, Yeah, either okay. one of those, one of those two things it would be. Fine. Yeah, that's Joel. Joel. And who else is here? You're here as well. I'm here, I'm Julia Indelicate. Yeah, you all know why me. are you qualified? <clears throat> um, I've got masters, I suppose. Damn right. Yeah. Chris, hello. Hi. And who are you? 
I'm Chris Hodges. Um, why am I qualified, you ask? Because, like many people, I'm really quite cross and I'm actively involved in clearing up uh, the mess. You've got an official position now, haven't you? Well, I, I, I'm a co-convener of uh, Brian and Ho for Europe, um, which is the official... Is that hippie for dictator? Uh, co-dictator. Co-dictator? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like sort of Melda. Weirdly, historically, <clears throat> that hasn't been a terribly popular role, co-dictator. Well, you're, yeah, why. Brighton though. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. but also you're, you're missing spouses of dictator. I think there's a case for uh, so. Elena Ceausescu being a co-dictator. Yeah, Ava Perón. Probably Ava Perón. They killed her, didn't they? They did kill her. Yeah, they yeah. shot her right in the face. Brilliant. You find it on YouTube. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Mussolini's wife got hung up upside down, didn't she? Mm. She did. Mm. Both. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Good. Consistent. Yeah. Well, they did her upside down and the right way up. She was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang her again. Yeah. Comedy bronze. Let's, I, may I suggest a question with which we could kick off? Yes. How did each of us feel upon hearing the news that Theresa May had called a snap election? Oh, that is a good question. I've gone straight for the emotions. I think, unusually for me, I thought let's go in well, through the gut. Do you want to answer first? Um, well, on a professional basis, I was excited. As it happens, I was off on sick leave at the time, so it was a good reason to get out of my bed of convalescence and leap back into the newsroom. Um, so I thought it was exciting from a kind of process and journalistic point of view, but I also thought it was quite exciting from a democratic point of view. I'm not somebody who would get bored of being asked to vote for things. Mm-hmm. And I don't particularly have a lot of sympathy with people who would, because that's your responsibility and your right and your extraordinary privilege as a, as a citizen of a democracy. So if the people who we too often criticise for not asking us what we actually want ask us what we actually want, I don't really think we have a right to criticise. So I'm, I'm generally excited at the prospect of, of being asked what I want, really, in any circumstance. Um, I thought tactically it was um, obviously a very clever posi- um, a decision from a party political standpoint. When you listened to what she actually said, I came to the conclusion, I don't know if anybody else agrees, that what she'd actually done is work the maths backwards. It was less about the ridiculous poll lead and Corbyn and everything else. And I think if you if you look at what she said, it was actually more about, well, we can't possibly do one in 2020 because look where we'll be in 2019. So it'll be impossible to do business with anybody in the final six months of the Brexit negotiations if they all know I've got to go to the country nine months after that we've just had this conversation. So I think, for all, for all the various things that were said, I think it was, it was quite a clever strategic decision from the point of view of the government with a capital G. And of course, it's, a, it's an ingenious decision from, from the point of view of Conservative Party politics. But to be fair to them, they didn't. They haven't really done anything to create this poll lead. It's a question of what other people have done. I got a different take on that. I think <laughs> it's rather more simple. Um, I think I remember her calling it and being obviously unsurprised and thinking, "Yeah, well, it's not going to get better than this for the country between now and 2020," and she knows it. Um, yes. It's a no-brainer. That's what I thought as well. Also, like, just to address what you were saying, <coughs> Joel. So when you talk about it being ingenious and clever, that is almost a direct and I don't know. Well, probably not shameful, but it's certainly 
a very direct repudiation of the reason the Fixed Term Parliaments Act was brought into place in the first place. It was the idea that was voted for in the last time we actually had um, the people having their say. It was a manifesto commitment in 2010, wasn't it? It's the Fixed Term Parliaments Act. The whole point of which was to stop people going to the polls and it was convenient because of clever, ingenious moves. I so if that's the reason, no, and I think you're probably right that it is the reason, the reasoning, that reasoning is a almost direct refutation of something that the party she stands for was elected on. Well, not to... It certainly isn't my turn, but just on that specific. What I said was ingenious actually wasn't the party political advantage. It was the strategic national advantage of being the government oh, I see. at okay. the point with with several years still to run on your mandate at the point at which the crunch comes in the negotiations my my point was that the matter didn't work with the brexit brexit deadline with the brexit deadline the chronology didn't work with the brexit deadline in in march 2019 and an election no later than 2020 i think i think that was what was quite Clever. Obviously, the Brexit deadline, which she yeah, 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 no, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. But she couldn't have held it off indefinitely. She certainly couldn't have made it beyond the date of the election, and she mm. couldn't have done it realistically any first, any earlier than she has. So that, mm. there, there were certain constraints on that. Um, the Fixed Term Parliaments Act. I, you, know, you and I are both students of both history and politics, and it's been around for six years, and it was brought in as a convenience to bind David Cameron to Nick Clegg. I haven't got any enormous love for it. I don't believe it was a matter of enormous principle. It was a, no, it I, was didn't, a, I didn't particularly like it so, either. But I mean, it, was, so so it was strong and stable, though, wasn't it? <laughs> Pretty strong and stable. Yeah. I mean, I felt uh, just depressed, actually, hearing the election, news election, because I've kind of lost... I don't know. I don't think that the way that democracy is currently functioning is fulfilling some of its basic roles in that democracy is not supposed to be about asking the people what they want done and then doing it that's never been the point the point has been to give the people the sovereign role in the decision of the country direction while protecting non-voting populations from their will including future populations and including non-voting populations who are currently too young and so as a result or of that... Or those populations that have lived here for 20 years and paid tax and never got the opportunity to vote. Yeah, yeah, those populations too. I mean, you, you have to have all these kind of... I think it's entirely reasonable that democracy has a bunch of safeguards put around it in order to prevent tyrannies, not just of the majority, but tyrannies of the present and tyrannies of the currently advantaged. And as a result of that, I kind of... I wasn't particularly excited about it because I think there's, it's a dangerous moment in voting in the world. And you've just seen a third of people voting for a, just a Nazi in front. And, you know, someone with a, a, a historical legacy of Nazis, I mean, her very name, it's a terrifying thing that happened in France. And it's terrifying what happened in America to an extent as well, just because I agree of the, the rhetoric French, that's thrown around. And, he, and, I, I and the, this French, is, this the is, French result is more troubling than people have given it credit for because Macron won so overwhelmingly. Well, this, and also because, and also because under, under our voting, voting system, she'd have had a real chance. Yeah, absolutely. That level of support. Yeah, no, no. A absolutely. really serious chance. And the, the main reason she didn't is because of their voting system. Yeah. Their voting system saved France from no, the past. But, but you, can't, you can't do the alternative history because you don't know how people would vote. No, no, no of course not. But I'm saying you know, her, her victory, her, her crushing defeat is a consequence of their electoral system. Like, it would yes. not have been a crushing defeat under ours. Absolutely. It would have been a Absolutely not. bell town mm. shaking surge of the far right absolutely yeah. numbers repeat no absolutely so as a consequence although, and, and although only, two, and only two situations can therefore be be the case either a third of france are incorrigibly racist and unreasonable which i would prefer to believe is not the case mm -hmm. or 
a third of France have been given such extraordinary cause to vote for the anti-establishment candidate that they, like a vast swathe of the American population, can choose to close their eyes and ears to extremely distasteful things which are included in the platform. I don't think there's the talk. I think there's message. absolutely a third option. And the third option is that they were mistaken. It's very much like Jesus in that respect. People like to say that Jesus could only have been the son of God or, or evil. That's C.S. Lewis's argument. You couldn't say the things Jesus said and... If they weren't true, you'd be a bad man, and if they were true, then you'd have to actually be the son of God. Therefore, he thinks he's the son of God. In the same way, there's missing the very obvious third, third option, which is just wrong. He believed it, and but I think, he was I think it's wrong. entirely possible to believe that a third of the French have just been led down the garden path of being stupidly wrong because they believe that the current, the way things are in the world currently, is notably worse than it has been in the past when it isn't, and palpably, provably isn't. But they just don't know that. I, I'd like to. Yeah, this touches on on. Another thing that I quite like to talk about, really, is uh, this idea. It's uh, unpolitic. It's certainly not politically correct to accuse any member of the voting public um, of being underinformed um, or or stupid, which is what we get from a lot of people who say, oh, well, how could you vote for Party X? They must be really stupid. You must be really stupid to, to do that. Um, but I think... I don't think people are stupid. I don't think people are racist. But I think they are... They are. Well, no, okay. Yeah, there are certainly lots yeah, yeah, of okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. But, but shall we, you know, yeah. people's racism resolves itself in, in different ways, yeah, I suppose. It does, yeah. um, That's why you've got, like, people who are in the EDL on those adverts on Facebook saying, I used to be in the EDL, and then I, and then I got approached and people sat me down and had a chat with me and I didn't realise. I think they're quite encouraging those adverts. Mm. So I hope everyone else is keeping an eye on what Toby Robinson's doing. See, you people don't, people don't study the alt-right enough. I know what the alt-right are up to all times. I've got my constant eye on them. Tommy Robinson works for the Rebel Media now. Those of you only listening on the podcast cannot get... see the beady glint in Simon's eye, but it's really quite troubling. I've got my eye on them. They can't go, I'm watching them. I know what they're up to. But Carry my on, point sorry. is um, that uh, you, I think we can... No one in the major parties in Britain is comfortable with saying that some of the electorate might just be misinformed. And quite understandably so, because what you're asking people to do is make decisions on very complicated uh, things with uh, everyone lying to you. But it's also... But it's also... That presupposes that given equal access and, and equal understanding of all of the possible factors, that everybody would weight them the same way that you would weight all of the factors. It doesn't presuppose because that at all. What I'm saying is, is that if you have limited access to more objective viewpoints, and because there's a lot of... more objective data, maybe. No. Is it... Um, more objective viewpoints, more objective as opposed to uh, absolutely objective, uh, then it's not surprising that you will make choices that are not only not in the best interest of the country, but oftentimes not in your best interest. But but your best interest as yeah, constituted by, by your, your waiting, because there is a perfectly um, serviceable argument which says Britain will be X percent poorer off economically in GDP terms for the five years immediately subsequent to Brexit. Mm. That's a, but that's a, that's a pretty solid argument. There's plenty mm. of substantiating evidence. Some of the people that voted for Brexit, I agree with you, will have done so in the mistaken belief that there is no chance that will be the case. Yeah. But some of the people that voted for Brexit will have done so on the understanding that there is a chance that that will be the case, but that for them, their reasons for voting for Brexit outweigh the potential two percentage point cost to GDP. 
And what I was, what I am always struck by is when politicians don't acknowledge the sovereignty of the people that, that Simon was just talking about. I interviewed a Lib Dem councillor who got um, elected to uh, West Sussex, uh, sorry, East Sussex County Council uh, last Thursday who was very pleased to have been elected. It was a, a swing area for the Liberal Democrats. And he said to me, I think people have realised they were wrong. And I said, realise they were wrong or forgiven you? And he paused like he was considering the possibility for the very first time and said, maybe a bit of both. OK, but I mean, I, th I feel like we're talking in, in sort of rhetorical language. What I'm saying is uh, there are a unknown proportion of people that uh, came to their conclusions. Ha that have come to their conclusions based on misapprehensions and that the council breaks it and that's about to happen with uh, with the election and it's a problem um, and I feel like as mainstream parties aren't addressing it I feel like Mugs like us. I'm comfortable to. blaming people for their own ignorance. Um, I think that's made me a new differ. I'm making a chocolate thing. I'm comfortable <laughs> saying the information is there, and if you don't know it, you're a lazy prick. I, you I, found it I, um, I'm, quite, I'm quite happy because I'm not a politician. I'm unlikely to be one, given the stuff I've said on record in the past. Mm. And I, I think I think far too often now, people because of like Twitter, everyone. Everyone has to send their thoughts every time someone dies. I don't, give a f I don't want your thoughts. No, I agree. But now everyone's a politician. So everyone kind of, because they're making public statements all mm. day long, yeah, they're, really going, they're going, well, really you know, personally, point. I would never call the British people stupid. I would. Fuck them. <laughs> I don't Lots care. Them. Lots of them. And, and, and actually, I'm, I'm the other way around on that one. I think people get terribly irate about what was written on the side of a bus and ignore people having 40 years of day-to-day -day life experience of the realities of what... The situation that they were facing. I mean, don't over. mistake me for being oh, on your side. That no, thing no, on the side of the bus was shocking. Goodness knows, <laughs> but but you would have to presume an extraordinary level of stupidity and gullibility on the part on the part of the British public to think that seventy-year-olds who experienced life outside the EU, experienced life in the EEC, and experienced life in the EU, and have read a series of papers through the course of their lives, if the <laughs> if the only thing that weighed in on their decision to mark a cross in one box or the other on June the 23rd of last year, mm. was what they saw written on the side of a red bus for four weeks. Like 30% of the people I work with did it because of that. Maybe maybe 30%. Just the bus. And the just because of the bus? Or that's, the bus. That's, the bus, that's the bus, the bus had a lot of traction. The bus was everywhere. The bus. That is the thing that <coughs> they can remember. About 30%, yeah. about 70% the day after, that's what are just racist and I have no idea. Like, actually racist, so like the day after said racist stuff because they felt it was okay. Your experience of, of the place in which you work and the people that you've been it's speaking sample, to. Obviously. So, no, 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 sure, but... Like. You, I, so your, your experience genuinely is of the sample of, what do we do, 10, 50, 100? I'd say it's like 40, right. 50 okay. people maybe. So, so a good chunk of people that we can yeah. that we can put a percentage on. 30% of them who who voted Brexit, mm -hmm. so, and we, we weren't they supposed were. to be back uh, Brexit. Sure, sure. Almost, but, in, but, almost entirely, apart from and 30 most of, them could of say, those run by immigrants. So, so most of them, a lot of them didn't have a vote. Right. Yes, and then a lot of them, yeah, the British people, the, the British people who, uh, who you work with. are, well, well I, I thought we were like working class liberal, I guess, like moderate or not interested, voted to leave, and then yeah, about about a, a you know a third of them because of the bus. Oh, just because of that bus, and now he's saying he's not going to do it. That's what they were saying. Really, and they, and I was just kind of like, 
Oh, okay. And I think when we have these and, conversations, you know, sorry. I felt sorry for them. Like, yeah, I, I felt sorry that, for them. I find that extraordinary, not least because this can't be their first experience of being lied to by a politician. But how do you get to 40 or 50 or 60 years old and think every word that you ever hear in an election campaign is God's honest truth? But Where are these, which woodwork do these people come out of? It's a good lie though, it's a very specific lie. Yeah, it was very specifically worded so as not to be a lie. No, I mean, it was very specifically worded <laughs> to have, when you put My grandma would call it a lie, so for me it was a lie. Fair play, fair play. Um, I, what I, I've not met his grandma. Uh, she she's uh, she passed away now, but um, I'm sorry. Not before she no, it's fine. <laughs> um, not before she saw the line of the bus. Um, <laughs> uh, so shall we wend our way back to the present? Yes, um, uh, but I I guess uh, what this this I uh, know I'm not I'm not going to wind my way back to present. I'm still on Brexit. Um, so uh, what I've found when I've been speaking to an awful lot of people who have been defending their decision to vote a certain way on Brexit, uh, that way being leave, um, is that they will speak for the people, the British people. They will paint a picture of Brexiters, which is the way that they want to see it. Um, but it's, if you compare, and a lot of the time people kind of go, well, you know, you said about... Uh, Joel, you said about uh, people, you know, and their 40 years of life experience, you don't know what their life's like. But I can't tell you the number of people that I've spoken to that have tried to tell me what it's like living in Stoke who have never <laughs> lived in Stoke. Um, and and I, a lot of these, t- a lot of time I'm sure. speaking to people who sure. are, uh, you know, they, they talk about, oh, well, you know, people have got, they've got, rub- actually, a number of people have said they've got rubbish lives in Stoke. I'm like, I just don't, all, <laughs> all of us, they do. <laughs> I've been to Stoke, it's a perfectly lovely place. I think all of us <clears> can <throat> only vote for our own reasons. Yes. And, oh, actually, no, I'd, I'd go further than that because mm. um, I um, I paced up and down, if, we, if we're going to pause on, on last summer for a minute. I genuinely paced up and down on Lewis Road before going into the police station and casting my vote for exactly the reasons that we're that we're bouncing around, which is, would my vote, which which I would my decision, which I came to having done a, a decent amount of research and on the basis of democratic principles that I believed in and and in the knowledge of of various inconsistencies and corruptions that I wasn't okay with, would my vote uh, in favour of leaving the European Union strengthen the hand of racists and xenophobes and little Englanders and if so did I have a responsibility to vote other than not just my conscience but but my logical conclusion and analysis because of who my who my co-conspirators would be who my who my co-religionists would be and your conclusion and my conclusion was that each of us should vote the way we think we should vote and I, and I couldn't make it any more complicated than that because otherwise there's, there's too many other factors and where do you end? So I, so I had to begin and end with what do I think is the reasonable way to cast my ballot? And unfortunately, we're always going to cast our ballot in the same way as people with whom we disagree and in some cases with whom we have vast and, and discomforting disagreements. But this, is, this brings me like, nicely to the election because I speak to um, a lot of uh, people who traditionally would be viewed as being on the left of whatever the political spectrum that I no longer think is relevant used to be. Um, for the rest of our guys, can we use the left as a shorthand for that? Uh, by all means, yeah. Okay. Um, no, actually probably not, just because, <laughs> because I think populism is, a, is an axis 
um, off <laughs> that. And I think I think the left and right, um, as it's been up until the last ten years, is, 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 is something which right. still has a meaning. But the the what's now called right, there's no reason to associate right wing or left wing populism with the traditional and respectable forms of left and right wing opinion, as far as I'm concerned. So I think no, it is way. difficult. But reasonable so when way. we say left, we do so with that proviso. Thank you very much. Um, but people who people on the left. Uh, who uh, voted uh, to leave the European Union because they didn't like the uh, corporatism of it. They're the only ones I can't be polite to. (laughs) (laughs) I have to be polite to them on on, on a regular basis, and some of them are lovely. Um, Forgive me, can I just ask Simon to unpack that just for 30 seconds? Because that's too good. No, I'll tell you. Okay. Um, Um, but you know the the idea that they would vote to leave the European Union uh, and then somehow expect some kind of socialist utopia to take its place, and I'm like, is it? Uh, to what extent do I hold someone morally culpable for voting a certain way and then allowing people like Liam Fox um, back into the government? Well, then can we can we take that juncture to talk about? likely socialist utopias and rational reasons for casting our vote and, and go to the current state of British politics on that axis. Actually, let's mm. go somewhere I really like from. Did anyone see Theresa May and her husband on the one show this evening? No. Right, so that's, uh, that's the current did. state of the debate. Well, we saw, we we saw, saw the clips, recap on the news. Yeah. And, and she told a fantastic anecdote about uh, a woman in the House of Commons who works in the House of Commons who was standing next to her in a lift and she said to her, nice shoes. And uh, the woman said, oh, I like your shoes as well. And then she said, I got into politics because of your shoes. And that was the end of Theresa May's anecdote. Now, she didn't explain at any point what about her shoes got this woman into politics. And I did quite like the idea that she was just sitting there going, oh, I'd love to be a politician, but I, I think that it'd be really hard on the souls. <laughs> <laughs> like very lot of, all that walking around London, people might have left fags on the floor, and I'd, I'd tread on those and they'd burn myself. And then she sees, she's gone. Oh, she's wearing shoes. You're allowed to wear shoes and be a politician. I had no idea you were allowed to cover your feet. So that was particularly stupid. So the election the lack of the lack of context it? and explanation has been uh, it does make that anecdote quite stupid, doesn't it? Um, no, I don't think I don't think the election's been stupid. Well, that's not true. I don't, I don't think all sides. <coughs> All parties to the election have been stupid, quite the contrary. I think the Tories are running, with the exception of this morning's interesting dog whistle on fox hunting, which we might dissect in a moment, um, I think the Tories have run a very tight, very intelligent campaign, because when you're 15 or 20 points ahead in the polls, I read ICM polling this morning, which puts them 22% ahead on key demographics. Right, it, is, it is extraordinary, and, it, and, and it is bad for democracy, for sure, for anybody to be that far ahead, but that I'm okay with the voters coming to their own conclusions. The Tories in the main have run a relatively tight, relatively bland campaign, which is what you need to do if you're that far ahead in the polls. And the people on whom there is a responsibility to now leave the blocks, come out at a startling pace, convince the people that vote and convince the people that vote in marginal constituencies that Christ alive, we cannot give this woman free reign and a 120 seat majority because your livelihoods and your children's livelihoods and your care workers and your social workers and your NHS and everything else might be at stake if we do that. They can't do maths. 
They can't even sound like they can walk and chew gum at the same time. Yeah, Tim Farron can't deal with barracking in the street, and Diane Abbott can't add up. I think Tim Farron did all right. I'm, okay, so I disagree for what it's worth. But but anyway, yeah. nobody's no, nobody on the other side has played a blind. So Caroline Lucas is on good form. I the time in Lewis. No, no, they're good. Because he got the, the Labour person went up to him in Lewis and um, and said there's a lot of gay people in Lewis something like that anyway. And he didn't do it, deal with it as well oh, as I no, would have done. Yeah, he, just, he, he didn't say what I would have said, which is like, yeah, but I've consistently supported those causes, whereas the leader of your party has taken money to appear on the state broadcaster of the Iranian theocracy, which throws them off buildings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is what he should have yeah. said. Yeah, yeah no, but, absolutely. Um, yeah. He probably didn't want to go all the way deep straight off. Farron on gay men and, and sinning is, was, a weird, was a weird one and was unfair and, and a... And a Better, better coverage would have given him more of a chance. He did no, a good I interview meant, I meant about it where he kind of... I'm already it. starting to internally puke. Um, <laughs> and here's why. Because we're talking about parties uh, as blocks who are playing strict strategies, um, none of which will serve the British people at the end. Um, they're playing some kind of weird tactical rhetorical game that involves uh, people in the media and the way that people eat bacon sandwiches and stuff. And I'm like, people are going to die here, right? The, the, the way this is going, people are, the budgets are going to get smaller. Hang on, I'm not done. Um, budgets are going to get smaller. There's going to be less money. And we're talking about things like, uh, you know, a, a party um, and whether they're playing a good game against another party. And I'm staggered because there's no other part of my life that works like that. I work with people who, generally speaking, have got the same goal and we want what's best for each other. So we don't divide ourselves into parties and tribal lines and play. Can I ask what you, for the, for the tape and for me, what, mm. what do you do in what environment? I do all kinds of things. Uh, I spoke professionally, uh, most of my money comes from uh, writing computer programs. Um, but, you know, when I speak to people, when I live with my family, when I try and get on with my friends, what I'm not doing is forming tribal alliances and shouting at each other. What I am doing is having sensible grown-up conversations. And so then, I, you know, I go through this in my daily life and it's fabulous and, you know, things work out and sometimes they don't. But, you know, I feel like I, I'm supported and I'm part of something. And then I look at what's happening uh, in the election and I look what's happening with the people that want to represent me and they're playing some strategy game against each other as if it's football um, and it makes me sick frankly <laughs> um, and so it, 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 we've been talking in these terms like oh this party's playing a good game this party's playing a bad game why are they even fighting each other there's because so there's much only to do. 60 million people and they have to get a plurality of the votes. You can't just make the pie higher in the George W. Bush expression. There are you, could, you might be able to convince some younger people to vote. And I suspect if Jeremy Corbyn were out on the doorstep saying people are going to die, if every time you turn on the TV, you know, Theresa May saying stable and strong, and Jeremy Corbyn saying people are going to die with a tremendous gravitas with which you just said it, people might be listening. But he's not. He's saying, here, have four new bank holidays. Okay, but and the reason it has to be combative, the reason it has to be adversarial, and the reason that I'm okay with this is the world as we understand it and this is the way in which our politics works now, let's analyse how it's going and see whether or not we can improve it. And I don't wish to retreat to how would I draw the world if I were, if I were sketching it from scratch. 
is is that there are only so many votes up for grabs. So they have to make competing arguments for the same votes. Okay, but that, I think, illustrates to me so strongly that the system of democracy that we have at the moment is increasingly not fit for purpose. Because you get caught between... Um, Liam Fox and Jeremy Corbyn, <laughs> you know, uh, and no one wants that. And and Theresa May, most people in this country for the past ten years haven't had a proper pay rise. Now, thanks to the policies of the Conservative government, they're not likely to have a pay rise for the next ten years. And yet, she can still get out there and talk about strong and stable. Partly because we have this adversarial system where you either have all Tory or all Labour. And this is insane. There's, there's so, I, I'm working quite a lot with local candidates in uh, three different flavours of party and I wouldn't be averse to a fourth, but we can't find them. Um, and they're all great and they're all fantastic. And I was like, if I was picking people to do a job, to be on a team, I'd like, I want this green person, I want this blue person, I want this yellow person. That's the yeah. thing about local politics, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's a lot more. Um, and yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I don't understand why I'm in a system where I get to choose between all extreme blue or all extreme red. And, and when, De- Labour, when Jeremy Corbyn comes on the TV and he goes, well... When Labour win the election, I'm like, okay, so stop being silly now. Labour isn't going to win the election. <laughs> and I have so much more respect for them. You go, well, if we got into power and maybe there were some Lib Dems here and maybe we'd do this and maybe we'd do that, I'm like, okay, now we're talking serious. But this idea that he's going in there going, when Labour win the election, jog on. I've got no time. Here's an interesting thing that happened uh, a few days ago. I think probably Friday, so it's now, so the, the, I don't know what the date would be, last Friday would be for the 5th. Yeah. So Friday the 5th of May, depending on when this goes out. I think I saw, I think it was the Friday, it was either Thursday or the Friday. But at that point, I think we'd all got thoroughly sick of hearing Strong and Stable mm-hmm. as engaged citizens of the world and the political economy. Um, and I think on that day, it was reported that polling showed 15% of people recognised that phrase as something they heard recently. Mm. I read something very similar. Friedland, I think, was talking about a focus group in which none of them could name half of the candidates and none of them had heard the poll. And that, to me, is a, is a striking illustration of of the bubble in which I live, where I'm like, you know, paying attention to things. This is again why I'm happy to blame the electorate. But in a situation like that, if, if Jeremy Corbyn... Um, I can't believe I'm about to defend... Jeremy Corbyn, who might actually be my nemesis. Um, <laughs> I, I, if I was a bit more important, he probably would Yeah, but in that situation, if he says anything other than uh, we're going to win and I'm going to still be the leader after that, which he said today. Mm. Um, the, the terrifying thing is I think he's right about the second one. I think, I think 50% of people have heard what Diane Abbott did. Mm. I think today that was reported. 50% of people knew okay. that she'd fucked up her numbers. Mm. And I think... If Jeremy Corbyn would have said we might not win the election, I genuinely think that that fifteen, the eighty-five percent of people who've not managed to hear the word "strong and stable" in the last two weeks would have heard only that, and possibly that Diane Abbott was stupid and that Theresa May can't eat chips. And if that's the only stuff that ever gets through at all, due to just general disinterest and self-inflicted ignorance. It's almost like, what are the politicians supposed to do? It's, 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 a, it's a real challenge, because I agree. if he were to say what you wanted to say, that would not be the headline. And it's not, and, I, and I'm not blaming the media for that. I'm blaming the people for not reading. Yeah. It's their fault. It's not the media's I, fault. 
Column I, A, column B. I, <coughs> to an extent. Well, I, to an extent, but it's it's not like it's not there. Mm. I didn't I didn't have to seek I it toyed, out. Hard. I've toyed. And I should preface this by saying this isn't this isn't my firmly held personal opinion. But I, I've toyed on a, a kind of intellectual dinner party uh, basis over the years with the idea that universal suffering. Such point out, we have never had an intellectual dinner party. <laughs> I mean, that's not something. I've no, done. no, no, Simon. I've toyed over the years. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to hear about who Joel's oh, been Joel toying. Go to the same school. Who are you toying, oh Joel? Yeah. No, no. Tell us about your toying, Joel. So uh, we should have the face of a pony. <laughs> we should get back to reality, but. But, but if, back out of, but if you're going to talk, the, the and if you're going to talk about the, the grotesque flaws in no, universal where do the ponies suffrage? live? You know, come on, you know where they live. Equestria. <laughs> back out of Equestria <laughs> and out of the gutters of Equestria, where your head is. In I'm suggesting you're a brony. Yeah. Do you know? Are you I saying that's a, a term of abuse? Do you know? I have a what, friend. What I know what that is. I'm saying it as an ambivalent term. You're not paying enough attention to the alt right, is what I was saying. You don't know what a brony is. You can't pay more attention. I had no idea there was any overlap on the Venn diagram between bronies and the alt right. I don't know anything about. You didn't even know Cinco de Milo was happening. I can only hope that all of this will be cut out of the podcast. But if it isn't, none of this is being cut out of the podcast. If it isn't, this is the best bit. Just let me try. If we disagree with universal suffrage, and for the record, I don't, but if we disagree with universal suffrage, my best alternative has been a connect the dot tests on the ballot paper. So what you have to do is each party has one sentence in which to categorise their policy on X, Y and Z, and five, five policies, defence, health, education, economy and something else, are listed. And you have to draw a line between the name of the party for whom you're voting and their one-sentence soundbite of what they're going to do for the NHS or the economy. And if you can get three out of five, your vote counts. Well, and if you can't, then why should it? Um, so Discuss. First of all, I was not talking about uh, the gross disenfranchisement. <laughs> and yet you're so unhappy with how the mass of the electorate votes. Why shouldn't you? No, I'm, I'm so unhappy well, no, with that. And you should disrespect the basis on which they vote, Chris. I'm going to take no, a quick detour about that one because that's the most. Because there is a challenge when, like, I, who have hardened my stance since it happened, and Chris, he was right all along, um, about Brexit in particular. I, I am challenged by this idea that I'm not respecting democracy and that I genuinely think we ought to fuck it right off. Uh, I should be quite happy just doing some establishment stitch up. I would be completely fine with that because mm-hmm. I don't. That's because you're a member of the European Demos. Who Absolutely, been happy with I, for fifty years. Exactly. I don't well, recognise I made stuff. You right? Yeah. Well, there you go. And I'm sorry, <laughs> but I just in case anyone doesn't, I feel like briefly <laughs> rehashing it. I think that argument except in, allows for the position that people who believe in they're part of the British Demos it's perfectly acceptable. I think they had a good workable compromise. And I don't have a solution to the problem that's been put in place because, as far as I'm concerned, the solution was what we had before. Some people get to bang their heads on about it and have their UKIP and stuff, and they get to bang on about it, but basically still get all the sovereignty that counts, and those of us who don't really feel any attachment to Britishness, of which there are an awful large number, get to have their elections, and we both get to coexist as parts of different democracies. Um, I don't know how we continue to do that. I, I, can, I, would, I can't offer a solution, because that sounds like I've got a silver bullet, but I can offer an improvement. We could have a more grown-up voting system. Well, I've, I, that's no, something that I used to disagree with you about, and I now agree with you on. Oh, and I still disagree with both of you. Yeah. Because I spoke to a, let's call her a very senior member of a small British political party, mm-hmm. whose point was, uh, the other day, whose point Shirley was... Shirley from the BNP. That's right. That's right. <laughs> me, the one me, that old show, me and old Shirley. Racist Shirley. Her pearly queen jacket. Oh, yes. <laughs> 
anyway, this uh, I think this, I with, her. with her knuckle dusters. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, this very this very intelligent and eloquent. Uh, she uh, calls woman me Judy. Who would be <laughs> upset by that characterisation? Um, uh, made the point. I was trying to I was trying to spitball the maths of how a rainbow left coalition could conceivably win, and then what would happen. Mm. And actually, what I was asking was, would you work with Jeremy? Or would Farron and Sturgeon, as the power brokers, you've just you've totally say, given away who it is there. Oh, oh, for <laughs> shame! No way of for it. shame! Um, or would or would Farron and Sturgeon say, no, for crying out loud, we can't do this. It's got to be Watson or somebody else. Mm. Uh, the rest of the conversation, which has, which is in the public domain, was about the question of um, uh, coalitions and what would happen next. And there is an interesting um, argument that it wouldn't have to survive. Because it would, because any coalition of, of patchwork quilt coalition that could conceivably um, beat the beat the Tories at the next election would have a half life measurable in minutes. Mm-hmm. But the argument would be from representatives of that coalition that it, that government of national unity in inverted commas would only have one uh, course, which is to call second general election under a more proportional voting system. Um, and then you would get a reasonable representation of what the country actually wanted going forward and then blah 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 blah. and that's fine but for two things firstly we got asked this question two years ago and we told the the Liberal Democrats to do one by a margin of two to one and secondly the only thing that one of the one of the few clean things about British democracy and British parliamentary politics is people get in shitloads of trouble if they break manifesto pledges. Just ask Philip Hammond. And when you have coalition government, manifesto pledges mean absolutely nothing. So speaking of somebody who is enormously in favour of the enfranchisement of the people and is enormously in favour of muscular kick out democracy, I don't understand why anybody thinks... I understand simplistically why everybody thinks that, that PR would represent everybody's wishes more fairly. But I, I've never been able to get alongside why people who are politically savvy think that it better represents the will of the people to, to, have, to have a manifesto being implemented that nobody voted for. Um, because that's what life is like. Because the idea... But first of all, I want to pick you up on this idea that like we get in trouble for breaking our... Uh, manifesto, manifesto promises. I mean that that's that's simply untrue, isn't it? Um, the whole. No, I mean, the latest and most high-profile policy reversal was exactly on the basis that the Conservatives had promised no increase in NICs, and then Hammond tried to put an increase on NICs, and then he had to put a screeching U-turn within five days of the budget. Immigration figures to get to the tens of thousands. They've lied about it before. They've just lied about it again today. Everyone knows it's unachievable. They're not going to get picked up on it. That's a really good. That's a really good point. But I, I do think there is a difference between. We, what we're going to try and do is this. You didn't do it, you useless bastards. British people are quite used to useless bastards. The people that say, what we're not going to do is this. No more taxes, no, we're not, no tuition fees. And then you turn around and do it, you get clobbered. And rightly so. Because there's a difference between being incompetent and being a liar. And what Hammond was accused of, and what Clegg was accused of, was directly lying to the electorate. But this is what I find extraordinary. If you look at what happened with Nick Clegg... Nick Clegg said if, you know, every single party 
uh, manifest. I quote. voted Lib Dem in 2015. I'm I, not blaming Clegg, but he got sorry, can I finish? for breaking the money. Sorry, come on. Um, yeah, what I don't get is this idea that um, Nick Clegg lied. If you assume that a manifesto, uh, if it's to be fulfilled in its entirety, can only be done in the situation of a majority, if we change the system, we can assume that we'll have conversations where people go, well, this is our red line and this is something that we would like to do. And people aren't stupid. They'll be able to get that as much as they know that uh, some manifesto promises are lies now, they'll go, well, this one's unlikely to be fulfilled. Can I ask? Sure. Why don't the Lib Dems do that? Do what? For a hundred years, the Lib Dems could only hope, could only have hoped to be a junior party in a coalition. And their entire political platform rests on the introduction of, of proportional representation, the inevitable outcome of which is coalition government. Mm. So why do they not, in, out of respect for the intelligence of the British electorate, go into every election saying, this is the manifesto, these three things are sacrosanct, everything else is up for grabs? Because that's the politics you want, and yes. they are the party you want to implement it, why don't they do it? That's an excellent question. Yeah. Um, I'm not too embarrassed. Um, I think they should. I, I, I don't see that there's any any problem with doing that. Um, and, and, and that's what I find so disappointing with Labour at the moment is if they would, if you had a an obvious conversation between Labour and the Liberal Democrats, where we're saying, well, between us, we're going to do this, we're going to mm. do that, um, and, and then there's some things that we disagree over. That's that's how life is. That's how I negotiate my way through the world. That oh, sometimes that there's things that we I absolutely disagree with people on. It's a point of principle. And there's other times that I, I compromise. And that's what everyone does everywhere, but, apart from but, in politics. But isn't there an important distinction between when you are having a conversation with your flatmates and they say, I want it to be 23 degrees in the house. And you say, I want it to be 21 degrees in the house. Mm. And then they, they, between you say, all right, let's make it 22 degrees and let's turn the heating off at 11 o'clock, not 10 or 12. Okay, fine. Mm. But in that case, all you're representing are your own interests and therefore you have the right to make that compromise for yourself. If, however, you had gone into, you were speaking on behalf of your residence association about when the parking should or shouldn't be allowed to be implemented or when there should, mm. shouldn't be allowed to be free parking and 60 people had sat in a room and all 60 of them had said I cannot take my kids to school if you allow the general public to park here after 9am because it's crucial my whole life works in this basis so we're electing you to speak to the council on our behalf about what this what these permits should be but but all of us say it's got to be 9am well if the council come back and say 12 do you have the right to say, well, 11's quite close? Well, or or are, you, are you morally obligated to say, no, look, I was sent here on a mandate to say 9 o'clock. That's the red line. I understand that you started at 12 and I started at 9, so we should kind of compromise on 10.30. But there's 60 people behind me and they, they sent me here to say 9. OK, so, I mean, there is a um, Conservative MP who um, represents Kemptown who um, all of his constituents um, quite clearly... Um, asked for him to do one thing, um, namely uh, remain in the European Union, and he, despite that, um, felt that it was okay to go against his uh, his constituents' wishes and go with the interests of his party. Not all of his constituents. Oh, okay, not all. That's that's totally fair. But but uh, two thirds. As, as, yes, a majority. The point is, I don't see how that has a reflection on uh, uh, 
PR-based uh, voting system. And the point is, it's always quite complicated. It's always messy. And the this electoral system that we have at the moment tries to pretend that it's not. It, it tries to give you this idea that if our boys, whatever party that is, gets in, um, then, you know, somehow this ethos, this, this so our dogma, our way of thinking will prevail and everything will be great. But it's never been like that and it never will be. So I'd much rather that you had a, a broad range of people with different voices that are likely to be heard and they compromise and they knock it out and it's messy and we get a better result than what why we get at the moment. Why do you have faith that that result is better? What experience do you have that tells you that result is better? Okay, uh, it's on... reasonable to say that averages are more likely to reflect something generally positive. I think that's a reasonable thing to say. Yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, I would say a good, really I think good example. I think, I think you, you choose an example of parking, and it's a it's a particular example. But if you go broader, if you just talk about economics and how much of a command economy we should have. Now, that's something that really does get to national governments. Should we have the government deciding exactly what trade goes on, or should we have that completely free market? Now, those two things are in constant opposition. You can either believe, if you believe 100% in liberty, then you have to, only one person at a time can have that. And so you can have 100% liberty, and one person has 100% liberty, and everyone else is enslaved, and that's, mm. that's how you get that. Or you can have 100%. Well, no, that would be that one person to have absolute yeah. liberty to do exactly as he pleases. I think would require on, everyone I think else. On economics. I'm, I'm talking basically about economics. In order for, in order to have complete economic freedom, you're going to. De- I mean, I'm, I'm going to. The yeah, okay, so the, we the could argue between mass deregulation and total five-year plans. Well, no, we, can, so we can be more general than that. We can talk about the basic concept of liberty and the basic concept of equality, which end you, up broadly you, represented. You, you right can, now. but I didn't. I didn't study that high enough. So I'm going well, to no, I'm, I'm 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 going. Going. have to have some facts. Well, no, 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 we, have can, some we, can get, we can get the facts in a minute. I'm talking in very, very general terms about why I think you can say that averages are likely to be have better outcomes. In that total 100% liberty is one thing, total 100% quality is up. Both of those are desirable things, and people pick one as to say which they value more. However, the best solution, the most workable solution that maximises both liberty and equality is likely to be a fairly close to a central compromise between the two. But it depends where you're living as to how you define the centre. So the centre ground in it America does. is dramatically to the right of the centre ground here, which is no, dramatically no, 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 it can to be right much more general. No, the centre ground in, in we, Norway, we where Jeremy Corbyn would be an absolutely run-of-the-mill political figure. Jeremy Corbyn would not be a run-of-the-mill figure anyway. The point I'm trying to get to is that you can, you, one can conceive philosophically of perfect liberty and one can conceive philosophically of perfect equality. And those two things are in opposition. They're in constant opposition. And the only way to achieve a situation, which is, as those things are both desirable, to achieve a, the highest amount of liberty and the highest amount of equality is probably somewhere in the middle. And, of course, the situation varies between countries and populations. But when you take an average of a population's the average of a population's bell curve approach and that somewhat you're going to get the most libertarian person on that bell curve. That is an argument for the abolition of democracy. It isn't an argument for the abolition of democracy. It's an it argument, is, it's is, an argument is, that the says... The man in Whitehall knows best argument. It isn't. It isn't. It's an argument that when you have, have a situation that results in more compromise rather than less, you are likely to have a morally more effective situation than a situation which lurches between extremes. Which is you the case, and you're making it. the case that that would be bad, but and that there is nothing dem- we demonstrable have, about this. But we do have compromise because parties themselves are a broad church. So, so that's true. The, and the increasingly, I think the, the answer for everyone might be join the Conservative Party as we are becoming post-war Japan. 
and becoming <coughs> more opposite. However, the current system encourages Jenny, encourages well. Well, yeah, but mm, it's different. There's not been even a one party state to the same extent as Japan was. Over 20 years, Adenauer's Christian Democrats. Japan was 30 years. Probably. It was longer, a lot longer in Japan, it was like 60 years before. There was but also, like Christian the Democrats are really always um, working in a coalition. They're always working in coalition. Well, it's because there's AMS, because look what happens when you give the Germans one moment, one vote. But our, our, our electoral system, which I've long been a defender of, and I just kind of. Yeah, just kind of you have. Uh, it does result in a kind of. Uh, it, it, it's not. A, it's a convergence towards morality marked by swings. It's like two graph rather than. But, but, but it's who, like two partners that which, argue which, with each other all the time, as opposed to partners which speak to each other and compromise. It, it, it's, it's, it's as if the British electorate is. Hang on. It's as if the British electorate is um, the the children in the middle of an abusive marriage between these two extreme well, ideas and it's just how, nutty. How interesting. I thought, in fact, unusually for me, I even tweeted that exact thought the other day, but it wasn't about the British electorate. It was about the Labour Party membership when it became clear that Jeremy Corbyn was holding a victory rally in Manchester mm-hmm. to which Andy Burnham would not attend and to which the local MP had not been invited. That is exactly like being a child of bitterly divorced parents when I, you hold a party the... and you think, oh Christ, what if mum and dad both come? And then you realise, oh no, there's absolutely no chance that both mum and dad will turn up to the same party at the same place. I think people disagree, and the man sitting on my left taught me how to debate, actually, 20 years ago. But do you ever doubt it? Do you and ever doubt the power of it? Do yeah, no, no, of like, course, I like, agree with... Do you feel I, like your power to debate, which you do obviously have, and something that, you know, both, both you and I have prizes somewhere for, right? Yeah. Now, I, don't, I can't think of a point in my life or I've used that to work to convince anyone of a, a damn thing. I don't I think can. it works. I can. I absolutely can. I've pissed people off and had to mellow it out and had to get older and boring and less unpleasant to people. And I've always been older and boring. I think so, uh, I've, got, I've got older and more boring and less unpleasant, for sure. And I think that, I think that the very um, confrontational, very adversarial um, style of kind of Anglo-Saxon political debating that you see quite a lot of in this country and an enormous amount of in the US has significant limitations. And I agree with you, Chris, that too often people get too entrenched and too antagonistic, and it is like rival factions. There are swathes, vast swathes of the American electorate who now cannot see anything outside of a paradigm between Democrats and Republicans, and life is too short and life is too complicated for our worldview to be that polarised and that simplistic. Absolutely agree with the value of compromise. Sometimes, though, there are arguments worth winning. 1979 was an argument against the unions worth winning. 1945 was an argument in favour of the working man worth winning. We're just going to let so, those go, by the way, just uh, for the tape. <laughs> we haven't got time for the 1979. No, I'm not going to. That was my whole reference to it. But my, but, oh, I see. Sorry, of course. Fine. But, but my point is, there are times where... You know, right. Bre- but there is no compromise on Brexit. Mm. Right? You can't get in a room. Simon's argument was incredibly patronising to those of us who thought we were locked into a fundamentally invidious corrupt system. Well, no, it wasn't. We could head bang I, I, away I, I, at the I, edges, but actually you'd all be happy in your European <coughs> demos getting along as you chose to. And it turns out... I think you have been headbanging. I think you but, are a coalition. Wait, no, you no, are no, a no, coalition no. of a small number of intellectual nutters who are bizarrely focused on something of minimal real-world importance and beasts. I think that is your coalition. I think you should open up to it, and I think you do in a way because you knew you were going to that coalition when you went into that voting booth. You said so. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I no, fun- and, really I, and I didn't. I didn't come back at you on that. But actually, 
I think it was an immoral decision to achieve victory on those terms. I do think that. Not so much you, because I think you think about it, but I see Dan Hannon increasingly illogical, increasingly betraying his own rationality across the world. Yeah. And I think that is a man who has been less impressive in the last year than he was before. Though. I'd like to extend that, right? Because I, I, I have in various conversations and I left you about... Out, but just to finish, mm, sorry. that piece I wrote, I left you out. It wasn't, addre- wasn't addressed to you. It was addressed to... Uh, it was addressed to... Uh, the beast, not you. I read it with enormous interest, and and could I summon the time to to do the research that would be required for me to reply with the same level of sophistication with which you wrote? I would have tried to to put together a, a rebuttal. But also, because I, what I think is interesting, yeah. what it, the, the thought that did occur to me, and for those of you who haven't read Simon's excellent piece on the European Demos, go and look it up now. And All read five it. of them have. And that's fair. <laughs> um, what I thought was what I thought was quite interesting. The thought that occurred to me was there has always been an elite intellectual European demos. It just used to be much more elite and much more intellectual. Mm-hmm. And, until the last 50 years, actually, the Grand Tour and yep. the Crown Princes of Europe and so on did exist entirely within a world in which they had no cause to interact with their own native populations, nor did they have terribly much in common that's, that's fascinating, with their own because they were despised. There was that, you know, the problem of Italy was the whole thing in the 16th century. That people would, there's a line in oh, Shakespeare, one might say of a man, that he, there's a line, I think it's in um, Merchant of Venice, one might say of a man, he, if he comes back and he's like, well, Beck can't remember the quote, but he comes back all full of airs and graces and poncing about, one might say of him that he hath been in Italy. And it right. is that grand, grand <laughs> yeah. like There was a the suspicion of people <coughs> taking that grand right. So you're right. Um, so, so, so there was, you know, there was a one, there was a 99th percent as it were the 19th percentile who would meet at the same parties in Vienna and in Paris and in London yep. and on the ski slopes and in Saint-Tropez right up to and including about the 1960s and it didn't have to go any deeper because it couldn't reach any deeper for, mm-hmm. for kind of aristocratic and, and economic reasons and now it's not one percent now maybe it's five percent or fifteen percent or twenty percent I would I would fight I don't think the nail I don't think it's any. 48 I don't think it's 48. I do think it's, yeah. it's probably in the 20s, but I don't think it's 48. I, and, I, and I don't think it's as high as 20-something, but, but certainly it's in that kind of area where, where you know, you are as comfortable in Islington as in Tuscany. But, they're not, but, but you're mischaracterising because they're not rich people. What you have there is the best of the working class who have left this country and gone to the rest of Europe. Friends of mine who... Yeah, are my most authentically working class friends. None of them live in this country. They float around Europe because that's where they live because they don't feel any attachment to this stinking oh. isle. I mean, no, they, no, no. They, it's, 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 the, the, the kind of post-1977 punk generation of like working-class rejectionist people who don't care for Britain or anything, feel no affiliation to it. So while I agree with the, the idea there is a long history to European League, it's not restricted to isn't it? It involves people who just drift around Europe and feel very happy and have done that their entire lives. So I think it's a that's, that's a really interesting point. I just don't think it's they have an right to do so. I think I think that should be. They were born with it. I, I think no, they weren't. No, none of us was. Well, my son was. No, no, no. You'd have to be born my after son, ninety-two. You'd have to be born my after. Son was born you'd have to. And lots of people, people who are currently adults were born after nineteen ninety-two. Mm. Lots yeah, of my, voting adults my, were born after. My baby brother, who's twenty-two, was was born in nineteen ninety-two. Shocking and despicable um, as it is that that is the case. Lots of voting adults were born after nineteen ninety-two. I think they should stop those, time. But those, <laughs> no, I was pulled by it. Tony, my son is now. You I'm were talking die about in like a minute. You were talking about the post 1977 punk generation, and goodness, goodness, knows, I know nothing about what. But I'm talking about right? the, but, the but if you were born in 1979, you were not born with the unalienable, inalienable right to work in no. Trieste whenever you choose to. True. And I'm okay with that being at the behest of the Italian government. I have no objection to that. 
Can I bring... In the same way that I would love to go and work in Washington, D.C., but there are some forms I've got to fill in, and I'm all right with that. Um, can I bring this back to binary choices and, and polarisation and stuff? Because, Joel, you said that, you know, things like Brexit are argument, you know, you, you, you either need to win or lose the argument. But the, the craziness of Brexit is that it was actually encompassing a whole bunch of different arguments and feelings, um, which yeah. actually haven't been resolved. And if I think about something like migration, let's assume that there was a significant majority, a significant number of people that voted for Brexit on the basis of that they felt uncomfortable about migration. And that said without any implication of moral judgment whatsoever, they, they feel they uncomfortable. Felt, yeah, let's, can, could we agree on that they felt uncomfortable not being with the UK government not being in control of its nope. own migration? No, nope, we okay. can't. Oh. We'll simply say okay. that they feel <laughs> uncomfortable with migration in some sense. Mm. Um, that feeling will not be resolved by Brexit. Um, the, the migration figures because the migration figures they're not going to get um, and, the, and the conversation that we actually need to have about migration hasn't happened and now won't happen because of Brexit because we were asked a ridiculous polarising question instead of going okay so when we're talking about migration where, when, how when who? 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 exactly uh, half the people no I mean not half I'm generalising but like I, like, like the people I spoke to at work the next day in the care home, which is the worst place to work mm. after Brexit, because um, they all, all elderly people voted to leave. All of those wanted. And mo most of them responded with fear, like the staff responded with fear. But like, m half of them didn't know where Europe was. So mm. they were like, well, there's, there's a lot of black people working here, isn't there? And I was like, they're from Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're from Africa. Am I, I, they don't. I, they might come through Europe, right? But they 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 came from Africa. Like. It's extraordinary. I have a, a moderately close family member who um, is very intelligent um, and appeared to vote to leave the European Union um, on the basis that he was concerned about the Muslims. Um, and I'm not saying that's everyone, but I mean this guy isn't stupid. And it, but it was done on feeling. Um, and these are these are the things that we need to talk about, but we're not I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna, I, think, I think you're right. I think you need to talk about it. That's mm. the problem. Like I, I, I am also uncomfortable with some Islamic stuff. Having been uh, born so. in a in a Muslim country, I'm a bit uncomfortable with it. I'm, I'm, I'm uncomfortable with people being too okay with certain things. Yes, yeah, as a as a liberal and a feminist and a democrat, so am I. Yeah. Sure, but I mean, all my really important buttons. But these but are the conversations. Can I just throw? Can I just throw? My own best hope for Brexit, for what it's worth, isn't economic and it doesn't really have to do with sovereignty in the way that word has been too frequently construed in this debate. My best hope for Brexit is that it de-infantilises the conversation. You're right, the conversation that we've had about immigration is overly simplistic and has too many um, discomforting connotations. But while British politicians can hide behind the skirts of a bête noire in Brussels and say, mummy made me do it, then that disenfranchises the British electorate and it infantilises the British political class, who can always claim it weren't me, Gov. Now, if you force them, as we have done, into a position where actually, no, the buck stops with you. You have to stand behind your promises on immigration. You have to you have to explain why 
our trade deal with America is X, Y or Z. You have to be elected or thrown out of Parliament on the basis of your success tackling the migration crisis or the Greek bailout crisis because that would affect us even if it happened when we were out of the EU or whatever else, right? If you can't say, Brussels made me do it, then just maybe you get a better standard of debate, a better class of politician and a more informed population. That Probably for the death me... Um, I listen, sometimes I'm a liberal and sometimes I'm a democrat and on the death penalty I think we can go either way but I think you're in the same position, aren't you? Aren't, well, you, aren't you pro-death penalty? Of course not, uh, apart from dictators. Okay. Um, I'll allow it for dictators but I, I, I think that mummy made me do it can be used effectively to do things which, which, like the death penalty, there is overwhelming public support for. No, but I think, but I think don't have the balls to say you're wrong. I think sometimes, right. sometimes have the balls. Because again, because for, for since when was it outlawed? Sixty something, sixty three, sixty seven, something like yeah. that. Like long before, exactly. but long before Treaty of Rome, let alone long before our accession to the EU. So British politicians have never said, you know what, sixty five percent of the British public want capital punishment, but sorry, you're just not grown up enough for it. So we're going to say no. I think sometimes that's they, a reasonable thing to say. No, so do I. But but sorry, British politicians have said exactly that. They haven't said. Well, Strasbourg says you're not allowed. And if your argument is the only way in which we can convince British car manufacturers to pollute at level X rather than level 2X is to say Strasbourg says you're not allowed, well, then either we're wrong to try and do it or the British politicians should say, no, sorry, guys, I don't, I don't care how powerful you want your cars or your kettles to be. Our rules say it's got to be this, and this is good for everybody, so the man in Whitehall knows best. Okay, you well, can use that argument occasionally. I just don't think it should be the default. I mean, I, I don't hope think it has been interval. I don't think you can make a convincing argument it's been But I mean, I hope wh- I whatever way it goes that we do improve the the conversation on on immigration. But I guess I'm a little bit confused. As well, no, I'm not a little bit confused. I have an answer to my own question as to why this hasn't happened before. Why we haven't had a grown up conversation? Um, because you know, hope, may, hopefully, we'll have a grown up grown up conversation in the future. But we're still going to do it off the back of the fact that the people that we are most likely to chuck out of the country are the people who have been paying for our schools and our hospitals. So that is the price we will pay. Now, if we'd had proportional representation of some form, I dare say in around about 2000, there would have been a fair few UKIP representatives in Parliament. We could have had that conversa- this conversation then because they would force that issue. Actually, in 2000, they would have been BNP, so be careful what you wish for. Do you know what? I'm not scared of that. Neither am I. No, no, no. Fair um, point. But, but the I, point is... I you could get... out-debate Nick Griffin right now. It's, I agree. It's not a problem. Not on his shepherd's pie. Have you seen yeah. that, that video? Because it's fab. Um, anyway, uh, but the point is, if we'd had a, a, be- a more representative democracy... Uh, in 2000, we could have a grown-up conversation about migration yeah. then and sure. not have to pay this extraordinary price now to learn that lesson. No. I'm, all I'm not sure I could out-debate Nick Griffin right now. I'm not 100% sure I could do that. I don't know that I could out-debate Milo. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure I could. I'm, I'm sure I could be right. I'm sure I could say sentences with, with more logical coherence. <laughs> I'm not sure I'd, I'd win. I'm, sh- I'm sure if you then went to the, the phones and you looked at the line at the pollster's desk, I, I think it would have been all over the place. And I think the people who agreed with Milo would agree with Milo at the end. And I think the people who agreed with Nick would agree with Nick at the end. And I think, I think, and I think I'd get my constituency. I've, 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 I've been making niche albums for long enough. I, 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 
No, I think I think actually I could win. I could win. I could, if I was being scored <laughs> by a debate well, moderator who was yeah, scoring yeah, yeah. me, I reckon I'd win on points. I don't think it would help. But then here's no, the thing: I, if you were if you were but, having but to win, not, but 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 you're still talking to the elite. Um, and also, maybe you don't have but to. I'm, not to my no, but I'm saying I wouldn't win in the court which matters, which is the people who aren't elite. Really, so change your debating. Sorry, Chris. Yeah, possibly this. Um, so um, you don't necessarily have to win. You just have to get some points across. You have to compromise. You have to understand each other. And you know, even when you're talking about BNP, we have this comfortable thing about going, "Oh, well, they're the worst of the worst," and "Oh my God." But if you've got all these people voting for them, you still need to listen Do to them. Do you think right? Bonnie Greer won? Uh, do I think Bonnie Greer won? I don't. I'm not sure if I agree with the question because I think that you're right. For all the BMP supporters, they're just watching Nick Griffin going, "Go on, my son." Yeah. Um, so the but the point is, if if you don't give, there's a reason why a lot of people in 2000 supported oh, BMP. I just, listen, I th- 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 this idea really offends me. So forgive me for jumping <clears> in. <throat> I absolutely disagree, Simon. You're one of the most impressive debates I've ever, I've ever seen in a, in a competitive environment years ago. But I also think that any politician worth their nouse, you know, I absolutely think that a John Reed, for instance, could have wiped the floor with not only a Question Time audience, but with a but with a Bradford rally audience against somebody like Nick Griffin, because because you you um, change and you sculpt your delivery and your argumentation based on who it is you're trying to convince and what you're trying to convince them of. So there are a dozen ways in which you can you can speak to those people who want to who want to be engaged on those issues and say this guy is a charlatan. This guy won't get I think, you sure. I think but I think that's possible, but I feel like that's not what happened in Brexit. I feel like the arguments were simplified because they knew that if they simplified the arguments they would get them and, and they knew that because of the internet and I feel like just in a broad sense as we come to the end I feel like the thing to be scared of is that it is it is a battle for our civilization in a way like this isn't this is broadly a lot more dangerous than just her being 22 points ahead it's serious business it's not like it's it's not nothing that you can win people with with one sentence or one thing on a bus like it's very, very dangerous. I is think. it is it telling that ostensibly we gathered to talk about the twenty seventeen general election and actually really all we've been keen to talk about is the EU referendum and its ramifications? Mm. I don't think that's what's happened. I think we've definitely talked a lot about that, but I think we've also talked a lot about the nature of democracy the, and the nature of no, the fair I point, think fair point. I was trying to just I wanted it's What's interesting prison. about what you're saying, because like, we have kind of ostensibly talked about Brexit, but in a way I think we are, I think, because for all that, you know, we may have voted different ways on that, we're not the typical, we're not the people under discussion, and I think, so, I think, I think there were, as I said at the time, I think there were rational, explicable reasons for voting leave. Um, I think since he's been a bit of a dumpster fire, but beforehand I think Daniel Hannon used to explain those well. Yeah, likewise. Um, likewise. To the point where I was almost, well, oh, that's interesting, I've not thought about that before, I will think about it, I've thought about it, I disagree completely. Sure. But I was, I was willing to go sure. that far. But I don't think that that was the coalition, that that was the majority of the coalition that won that vote. And I think the majority of the coalition that won the vote is a populist front that is sweeping the world and however well Macron may have crushed um, the pen, I think she's part of it, I think Trump's part of it, I, I think Git Wilders is part of it, and I think there is a there is a percentage of the world, which is around 35%. So take your responsibility for creating it. 
Why, no, no, no. Why does nobody, why does nobody turn that. around and say, Christ alive, 30 years ago, 30% of the Netherlands, 35% of France, 50% of Britain, 55% or <laughs> 48% of America were not screaming nationalist populists. What might have happened in the intervening two or three decades no, to make people think, think hang on a minute, we aren't in control of our own lives anymore? I think we make a huge mistake by taking those complaints seriously because I think most of the complaints of those people are ridiculous and I think they should be well and truly called that. People should, people have just lost their sense of shame and have lost and have started to believe. Whereas people would once go, oh, I don't really know, fuck it, I'll just do the sensible thing. People have started to go, I bloody do know, actually, and so do all my friends, and I've seen it on the internet, and they agree with me. And I think that loss of a sense of shame and a sense of one's own inability to comprehend these things, something that's been incredibly destructive. And I think for years we've all been saying, and I've certainly been saying, that you know, you've got to trust them. And in a sense, I think that's still true. You do trust people because the sovereignty of the people is the only thing that counts in any situation where the people are deciding what happens to the people. Now, anything else is an imposition on that. But at the same time, if you lose that sense of personal inadequacy that democracy depended on since its inception, you're in a real problem. And you have now a situation where someone like Milo will come out and Milo wears a snake and is very, very good at debating, and is a boy like us. That's the main thing to think about Milo. Milo's a boy like you no, and me. I'm, Milo's picked I'm keenly and obsessingly right. aware of that. Yeah, yeah. He's picked the alt-right. But yeah, but I, he could I equally... Think, I think I used to say I was a fascist when I was 17, you know, and I used to be a new racist. Later, later, later than 17. Until last week. But, I you know, I I met, when I first met him, he was wearing that long leather I, I used to have one too when I was... When yeah. I was yeah. But, you know, oh, but like, I only was so... I was a year old school I used to have clever reasons. I was not racism. I'd just be believing that... Just being a dick when I was 17. But if I'd accidentally... If I'd been on YouTube saying some of the stupid I'm being a dick be clever things I might have made a career out of that but I couldn't give up and it's fucking terrifying that to me because you're in a situation now where people's sense of inadequacy is being eroded and taken away and people and there's such a received oh, dude, truth it's such that, a received truth that, really that people offensive. that people should I, I it, is, it should be offensive it should be offensive the idea that the idea that the people the masses, the plebs, is really what you're saying. No, it isn't. That's not uh, it at all. No, it is. It's not it at all. It it's is a plebs because you, you are a because pleb by what, choice in this environment. In an information-rich environment, one is a pleb by choice. You don't. Do you really get, think not that those votes condition? Do you pleb. really think that those votes are are more easily influenced now than in the days of rotten boroughs and university seats and Gladstone going out talking to four thousand people? No, I don't. With I nobody to no, fact check. I think or they're more influenced. I think they're more influenced now than they were in the nineties, eighties, and seventies. I don't think they're more now I think they were, than they were in the days of Gladstone everything is infinitely better now than it ever has been in history this is the key point things get on improve in every measurable metric things improve and people are now convinced that they are correct when they say things have gotten worse that's a flat out falsehood it's wrong people are mistaken when they believe that uh, they're mistaken who, when they experience that I'm going to bring this back to um, voting reform um, the, I, I think the, the, the difficulty is the choices that we are asked to make often infantilizes. I think Brexit's a really good example of that. I think our first-past-the-post system is a really good example of that. that it, we should be given an opportunity to express nuance in our democratic uh, s- systems, and we don't. I can um, think of no better encapsulation 
of the absolute arrogant disregard of the will of the voters than the man who, two years after an AV referendum, says the most important thing we need to ask is whether or not we should reintroduce proportional representation. We asked. They answered. Um, Everything you just said is invective, but it's not really engaging in what I'm saying. How, How can you go back? How can you go back just two years later and say, you know that thing we asked you, and that we spent Six millions years, of pounds. Right? Yeah, it wasn't too yeah, no, sorry, years. Right. 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 You know, There's been so many votes in referendum recently. There have been a lot. Sorry. Within, within half a generation. How can you go back and say, you know, that, that thing we asked you in the best possible of circumstances, when you had a coalition government where everybody was buddy-buddy and the, the world economy had turned around, right? Could the, could the table have been set better for the AV referendum, and there was a walloping rejection of the very idea of it. Fabulous rhetoric. Um, how could, how honestly? It <laughs> it offends me as a, as a Democrat. It offends me as an individualist. You're going to have to be offended. You can. That's okay. That's okay. Unlike the left, I'm all right being offended. It um, doesn't hurt. No. The table was not perfect. Oh uh, yeah, they're, they're for a start, it was an AV <laughs> referendum, which was in itself a stacking of the deck. <laughs> I mean, it was. I mean, also, I, 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 as opposed to what? <laughs> this isn't even something that I'm that belligerent about. But that was a st- because the AV was is the worst alternative voting system. The alternative vote is the worst system on offer. And also, we need to address the press. And the question that, didn't uh, say, "Do you want PR?" It said, "Do you want the worst system that's even worse than the one we have?" And people, if you, you know, if we're going to give them the credit, I personally don't give them the credit. But if we're going to give them the credit of understanding what they're being asked, of course they voted against it. It was a stupid question. If you asked them if they wanted PR, you don't. Well, I think they probably would have voted against it because they're idiots. But or not idiots, but no, because PR is something. But no, I, but the, I go you back do and forth. I go you, back. I do, do it in jest. I do it in jest because but, I'm not obliged not to. Because I am not standing for anyone, and I am allowed to look down on idiots. I'm allowed to do that. I'm not standing <laughs> or responsible for that. No, 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 no. Any reason? Neither am I. I'm perfectly able to say some people are thick. It's reasonable. Sure, sure, sure. Forty-nine percent of people are going to be below average. The swing constituency in any vote is going to be the average people. That's a really, really good point. And I, you know, I spend my time, I spend my, my days trying to inform people occasionally of stuff that matters. And from time to time I read the comment section and it can be soul crushing because the basis on which people are understanding, the basis on which people are arguing can It's be, looking down on people can when, be, you don't, but, when you don't but, entertain the possibility that they have a choice not to be ignorant. People actively, I don't, I don't I think, even think you agree with this, Julie, but people actively choose to be ignorant in a situation that we are in now where information is abundant and free I don't there is no justification um, for being I think they don't now. I think they don't choose to be autodidactic I'm not sure that's quite the same as choosing to be ignorant but okay but I, I absolutely acknowledge your point that there is information out what there for the, for the self uh, self teaching so, that, okay. so, they don't, so if you're in an yeah. environment where you know I could I could go and learn, I don't have a classical education but I could go and learn any number of things yeah, online and yeah. get the context of it so and sometimes I do, and sometimes I make sure I sit down and read the manifestos before the elections. Mm. And sometimes I think, no, he's an absolute moron, and she's a safe pair of hands. So that's where I'm going. That's this reasonable time. too. Right? Yeah. And and I do think it's reasonable. What I don't, what upsets me, what what worries me, is the idea of there being a political class which doesn't have humility in the face of the sovereign voter. 
and I think that's well, I what you're, rep- that you're representing. That no, I don't mindset. think I am. I don't think. And I, I think I, I think, think I the am. European Parliament is the is the apotheosis of that mindset, and that's why I'm okay with having given them a bloody nose. And I think I think it's entirely reasonable to accuse the EU of doing that. I think for the reasons outlined at length on the internet, I don't think it's true to say the British voter because I think there's a very specific circumstance why that's not the case with people. On the whole, I think the people are sovereign. However, democracy is supposed to protect non-voting populations, both of the future and of the minority and of the below the age of majority that is it is the checks and balances have not been properly applied in terms of the Brexit vote particularly a, a simple majority isn't sufficient um, for that change if, as far as I'm concerned especially in a country where everyone born since 92, 1992 of which many are voting adults and in which includes my actual child well many are, many are adults and, not many are voting those, adults um, if we were in as opposed to a because the 2010 ten, is seven years no 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 the turnout of that demographic if we were in a okay, big vote capable adult, that's different, <laughs> gentlemen. If we were, rather than being in a big, swaggery, debatey, aren't we clever style environment, we were in. Oh no! I don't know <laughs> what you mean. Sorry. We were in, uh, say, couples therapy, mm. um, or really quadruple therapy, shall we say? I suppose I feel like at least one person here, if we're going to move forward with this wants to see some degree of improvement in our electoral system. Now, what I'd ask the other people here is, and without using too much invective, because we know that we want to move things forward here, as opposed to just win arguments. It's beautiful. um, Is... Oh, is there a compromise? Is there something we can do? Is there is there an improvement that we could make to our existing electoral system that we can agree would be better than what we have now? Yeah, I'd start with House of Lords reform. Ooh. Oh, no. Why? Because I'm, I'm, because, I'm in the real Because I'm a Democrat. I, I'm, yeah, it's yeah. in terms that you can't... Yeah, yeah. I, I think we're all agreed I, on that. I, I, think I, I suppose so. I just feel like, yeah. What's your... Well, just like sometimes they stop bad shit from happening. Well, yeah. It's, I'm know, not necessarily sure how you perform like it. Someone, like yeah, someone right. to, like, someone's got to be there to do that. I re- but I reckon that could that function could be taken by a, a second else, house yeah. that yeah, yeah. was democratically yeah, elected, yeah. perhaps yeah. on a different... I think, yes. yeah. I think it's yeah, a shame yeah, yeah. 15, that, we, that unlike America, where Donald Trump is having a bit of a hard time and, and thought it would be easier and all that stuff that was really funny. Um, but, you know, her Hillary not winning was crushing for me mm. like crushing um i think she probably yeah probably quite good that she didn't win in a way because it would have been rubbish but like there's loads of checks and balances isn't there in the states like there's loads of things he's not able to do everything mm. everything that should kick in is kicking in True. whereas i really feel like that's not happening here and i feel i think mm. like i think the reason that the people who voted to leave who i work with and who i you know um give personal care to at my job once a week the reason they were so shaken shaken visibly shaken shaking at me by the result was that they didn't think it was going to happen and they were fucking terrified mm-hmm. terrified that they had voted in something that had resulted in something that 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 was absolute chaos and that it and they were kind of like oh, fuck i'm never voting again fucking what did i do I what did i do like family member that is dealing with that in his own particular yeah way now. I, I was i wasn't i was less shaken <laughs> i think i think we get, it does bring us back to the election rather specifically and i think personally my explanation for to, where theresa may's popularity is positive and i think there is actually a positive people Chase genuinely Jimmy. like her um, I, th- I think the reaction. So, I think her poll rating is not entirely down to other people's numbers. No, you're you're absolutely. I right. think what I, makes I, her I, super popular is nothing makes well British people especially, but people generally nothing makes them like you more than going up to someone who's worried they've done something wrong and telling them that they were fine. 
Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's broader than that. I think it's a really clever point, but I think it's broader than that. Actually, I think people like Theresa May because she's not... Undermining my points by calling them clever. Oh, I quite the opposite. Okay. I'm terribly sorry. No? I'm, I, I have never been clever enough to do what you're now accusing me of doing. Oh. Use the word that clever. was a very clever thing. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, genuinely. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Um, I think what people like about Theresa May... Ten points to Gryffindor. I, I, I would not deserve the Golden Sky. Sorry, ten points to Slytherin. Uh, steady on. Steady on. I was, I was hoping for Ravenclaw, I would have accepted Hufflepuff. Oh, um, it would be Ravenclaw. Oh, no, yeah, Hufflepuff's the worst. Yeah. I, just I, leave, did the, I, I did the thing. I did the online thing. And I wanted to be Gryffindor, and I wanted to have a bear or a lion, and I was Hufflepuff, and I had oh, a rat. I'd <laughs> I I like an otter. Never a, go back. No, not only did I go back, I used a different email address to sign up again, and it was more excruciatingly embarrassing the next time. So that's all we need to know about me. Um, <laughs> the um, the thing that I think people like about Theresa May is that she's not. She doesn't look like somebody who eats, breathes, and sleeps politics. Uh, Miliband did. Osborne does, mm. uh, Corbyn does in a, in a, different, in a different way. way. You know, Farron, a lot of the people, and, and, but they liked the other about Cameron. Cameron's thing was more patrician than that, but it was still a kind mm. of slightly light touch. I think people think that May could kind of, you know, can take it or leave it. She's that's... quite common sense. She's not very wonky. Interesting though, because yeah, and I think yeah, she's definitely not wonky. But I mean, if I've been aware of her work for some time, and she's you know, she's <laughs> you sound obviously... a bit like you've just come out of jail. Instead, <laughs> can I just clarify? <laughs> um, and uh, it's yeah, I mean, she's obviously really into it. I mean, she does eat, sleep, and breathe it. And the fact that she can come across to some people like she doesn't is quite interesting. Yeah, because... I think yeah, she's got to be an incredibly good political game player within the party, hasn't she? Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, it was, it was astoundingly um, game. Uh, what's it? House of Cards. The way she got the leadership. I mean, yeah, mm. it was. It was. It was the sort of thing that made you just ache with jealousy as a then member of the Labour Party. <laughs> just God, if only we could do that. Oh, and like, I mean, it, it's one of them things. Where if it was in a book, you'd go, Tony yeah, Blair okay, that's brilliant. Totally but when it's in, it. and I, re- I reckon, if Tony Blair was to come back now, take over. Go, right, we're back going to, back to what we were. If he had a this face transplant and came back, fuck off. Everyone, everyone was. And, and, and oh, all the people who don't, well, he, who he, don't he, like he him, who wither away, and all the ones who yeah, do like if him. If he wasn't Tony Blair. I don't yeah, know. No, 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 I, take, I take your point. I take your point. But he tried doing that, and David Miliband's currently in New York on 600 grand. Thanks very much. Mm. I mean, that's, li- that's literally yeah. that plan. And, yeah. And he, the you king know, over the water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you couldn't prize. <laughs> no, I'm not him. You either. couldn't no prize him out of Hillary's pocket. He's no, he's no good either. There's so many great sure, women in the Labour Party. There's so many really terrific women in the Labour Party, and it's yeah. such a shame. And, and oh, the yeah, yeah, ones too. It's a tragedy, really. And I don't say that to be kind of like, oh, I like women, me. I like women. It's just because it's like, you know, they actually. <laughs> because like like women. There's a real good. There's a good. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm more than happy to be on record as saying. No, Go I like on. women. I do, I do like women, but I don't, I'm not just going. Actually, I, I, guys, um, you, know, you know who I think is really good? Like women. Actually. I'm not doing, but genuinely, I think Labour, like, all of the young Again, bucks literally all, killed each other. They, they fight the, the Blair Brown era saw all of the young, upcoming, thrusting young men of Labour Party knock each other out, like and the only people who, who managed to sail through are people who, who, for the most part, have been women. Yeah, we're going. Chris is going to go. Yeah, I don't want to stop. <laughs> but oh. you can just go. We just carry on. Okay. Because we've got to come to some kind of conclusion. Five minutes. Then. Right. So I'm five minutes. Time. So we're going to get. Uh, we're going to. All of that. We're going to talk about more at some point, probably later, without it being recorded. Um, but we want a uh, kind of prediction about what's going to happen in the elections. It's less fun this year. Last time it was all fun. Pathology. Pathology. Now it's all just like. It's all just a bit like, oh my god, really? What's going to happen in the world? What if there's fascists? <laughs> 
But I what think, seems to happen? I think. Best that. case scenario, worst case scenario. That's what I want. Not, but not a prediction. Because prediction is going to be wrong. Best for whom? Best for you. <coughs> best case scenario for my own personal political slash national feeling is probably a conservative majority. Let's say best possible scenario. Let's between, narrow it down. Probably a conservative majority between. The problem is the best thing that could happen for the democratic health of the country is for Jeremy Corbyn to be replaced as the, Labour, the leader of the Labour Party. The, the best thing that could happen for the political health of the country in the short term is for the Conservatives not to have too overmighty a majority. But you can't have both of those things at the same time, now I come to think of it. So probably the best and fastest way back to some kind of politics as usual is if she absolutely thumps them. Because then at least there is a... There is a rediscovery of sanity and reality on the left of centre and somebody whether it's Yvette Cooper or her husband or anybody else or somebody yeah, yeah or Keir Starmer or Peter Kyle in Hayes good bloke bright mm. guy I'd uh, for him to be leader yeah mm-hmm. I think Did a lot of people I think a lot of people anybody. would um, but anyway but somebody comes along and says you know there is there is a reduction in the size of the state which got over bloated during the brown years that we were okay with and actually, now the, the belt is being tightened too fast and you can't run a country's economy like a personal shopping basket, so we're going to do this and this and this and this. And Sodic will re-rationalise the railways as well because they're an absolute basket case. But basically, we're going to have both our eyes pointing in the same direction. And I think probably, although actually, I don't think if she got a majority of 120, he'd necessarily step down. I think probably you've got to hope that eventually that happens on the left and therefore probably the best way to expedite that. Is a big Tory majority. Okay, so uh, we're talking realistic, like possible best and worst. What do you think is possible? Best case scenario. Okay, possible possible best case scenario. Well, I am a big fan of strong and stable government, which is why (laughs) I would like to see as my possible best case scenario a Conservative Lib Dem coalition, Um, because if you look at the last Conservative Lib Dem coalition. it was quite strong and quite stable. Um, and since then, there has been a marked period of instability. Um, and I'd like the British people to recognise from the outcome of a coalition that coalitions and compromises are good things. So that's my best case. My worst case is... Um, probably not a thumping majority, but sort of... It, enough of a Tory majority for them to have to... I think if their majority was too big, um, they could uh, fracture and therefore, over the longer term, weirdly, keep control. Whereas if it was smaller, then they'd still have to deal with the extremists in their party who really should be in another party. People like IDS and Liam Fox should go and form their other slightly weird party um, and let the sensible ones remain. Um, But yeah, so my worst case scenario is a majority of about 120. That'd suck. 200, and I think... uh, A majority of 200? I should not... Do I mean a majority of two? Yeah, yeah, no. no I mean, Blair, Blair only had a majority of 179. Yeah, okay, yeah. But no, we, I don't think it's impossible. Yeah, I don't think it's impossible. A majority of two, uh, 
But I think a majority of 200 would probably be too much for even the Conservatives to bear. It would be un- I think it's, probably, in probably, history, it's probably impossible, but I, I, I think something ridiculous like getting close to that is not impossible, but I think very unlikely. I think, I think if unlikely. you look at how the seats are stacked and, and the, the urban seats and so on, I think actually... I mean, I take your point. I, I think that I think I don't think I think it's extraordinarily unlikely. I think there are events that could occur that might precipitate something ridiculous like that. How could they especially? Co- what, I mean, what else? <laughs> well, <laughs> what else? There are things. There I'm are things. Go. That could I'm, I'm, I'm going to go. Chris is going to go. We'll see you later, man. Bye. 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 Five. We'll send a message. Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's been a pleasure. It'll be nice. Feels, yeah. <laughs> So we'll just we'll just drag this ending out with the three of us. Well, well I, we I need two more two more predictions, yeah, please. That's what yeah. So so well, I'm with Chris. Can I borrow your facility? Oh, yes. yes. Just don't use the sink in the toilet. I've left the light on in the bathroom. Use the sink in there. And, and don't the take the mic with you. Go on it. Yeah, because the sink leaks. Um, for everyone. Listeners. Uh, yeah. Um, the um, uh, I think that goes I for think, the sink. All people we know. All I think this. that goes for any of you who come over. Don't use the sink in the bathroom. Yeah. No, well, you might be fixed by then. It yeah. might be. Um, we don't we don't do that. We don't fix sinks. Um, oh, no. We like? do everything else. We don't fix sinks very well. <laughs> no, you don't look like much of a sink fixer. I'm part of the fucking Grand I mean, Tour Euro Elite. I fix sinks. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Best case scenario for me would be a Lib Dem um, uh, tour. Uh, I hate saying Tory because I don't really feel mm. it. I think I'm too young. I don't feel it. Um, so I always say Conservative just because I feel like that's more what I mean. Um, a coalition would be good. I think that would be good because I feel like that would that that would be more representative of the way the country is and I do also think that it did soften some of the Tory things and I think that helped them out and I think it helped out the Lib Dems and I think well actually it didn't help out the Lib Dems at all but it probably helped out the country I think and in a way that was probably for the best so and the, I think and then talking to Simon I suppose um she Theresa May needs to have more of a majority to to maybe push back some of the more mental people. Yeah, I think um, that's the other key point. Isn't it? And then You've got to ask yourself, it, with a majority of only 12, yeah. how many of the headbangers have to be assuaged? Yeah. Whereas if she's got a majority of 60, because I agree with you, I, my politics lie roughly mm. where the coalition government was. Yeah. Right? Well, that's not what Jeremy Jude that We're just, talking possible scenarios. No, 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 yeah, sure, yeah, yeah, but excluding yeah, yeah. a whole sure. raft of things I don't think. No, 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 sure. Yeah. But, but the, you know, the coalition government was was soft right economically but reasonably liberal socially yeah yeah and, yeah, right. yeah and that's which, basically which I was quite comfortable yeah, with. well basically that's that's where i find myself yeah. i mean i'm ideologically new labor and i think i've realized that much more in the last few years i'm 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 not afraid to say it i am ideologically mm. that i'm not labor now at all so i can't vote Labour. and i think mm. that i think that I, I think that most of the people that i work with who are my age are ideologically new labor as well and whether or not they know it no, they know it. Okay. The ones who are my age, a lot of the ones who are, are a lot, I'd say most of the ones who are not English, so Polish people, Bulgarian people, yeah, people from Ghana, people from yeah. Nigeria, are ideologically New Labour as well. And that's because the time that they came to the country was that time, and they feel very connected to it, and connected where does to the, that kind of English identity. Where does the lefty ideology come from? Where does the Corbynista... I think those are those are people who weren't allowed who weren't allowed to destroy 1997 and they're back with a vengeance I suppose Mm. that's where they it's extraordinary 20 years almost exactly and I don't think I don't actually think those people 
care that much about, I don't think they care about winning. I think they care more about, um, you know, this purity. policy and this policy, but nothing else. And if you do anything else, I, I hate you forever. And, mm. and that's just, that's as dangerous as people on the right um, doing the exact same thing. It's not, it's not safe. It's very, very dangerous for mm. democracies to do that and civilizations because they yeah. fall and they'll have to switch off the internet. And they will, they'll have to switch it off. Simon. Yeah, I mean, the question, a difficult question that, that I ended up posing is like, what is actually, what do I think is possible? I think, so I think my most desired outcome would probably be that what I don't think will happen, that some kind of progressive alliance takes hold in the 96 seats where it's a feasible thing and that you have a, and you get it not back into coalition. And... I'm, I'm not as convinced as you and that Chris that the Liberal be. Democrats would take it. I have a problem with because it. Because I think, I think, I think the Liberal Democrats and Tories are fundamentally divided on this issue in the way they were. Wasn't it you? Time. Wasn't it you that I saw rise? Oh no, somebody who I'm casting a very similar veil um, was asked this question. That, uh, uh, chat that I know who's who broadcast journalist documentary maker mm. said uh, I saw I saw a thread. In which somebody asked, posed exactly that question. Surely the Lib Dems were too bruised by the experience of 2005. I don't think it's that. I just think I think the, would they? I think ideologically they, they didn't used to have a fundamental divide with the Conservatives that they have now in Brexit. Mm. I mean, no, that's they, a really that's a very interesting point. The, the, the that's Liberal Democrats are now defined as the anti-Brexit party, and the Tory party is now defined as the pro-Brexit party. No, that's that wasn't really, true last time. That's, yeah. No, that is a so really, I really think, good point. I think that would be a tough negotiation to come up with. So I don't know if that, that coalition could fall. Mm. I mean, I think if you had a situation... I think the, only where, thing, the only thing I would interject with was, is, the, is the point that I made, that I saw somebody else make, which is if, if your entire politics are centred around PR and coalitions, yeah. then you've got to go into a coalition if it's offered to you. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Um, and and if and if you have to be able to prove and if your platform is to, is is for a soft Brexit rather than a hard yeah. one, and and, and the, if your and, pitch and is to be a moderating influence on the left or the right, yeah, then, but given, then you, know, you will be are, letting down the people who you're representing, yeah. which are more than than the Liberal Democrats. They're they're, they're yes, the, yeah, they're yeah interesting, point, interesting point. I think it would be. A, I, I, think, I, I wouldn't th- have a problem I think with that's it, right. I think I think I think the Liberal Democrats. I think it would just be a much tougher negotiation. Yeah. Though obviously it would be in the light, if that were to happen, it would be a light if against all evidence the Tory party doing a lot worse on their 100% hard Brexit platform than they expected, so they may be more amenable to that. I don't know. I don't really think, but we're trying to work out what's possible. I'm not sure, I think. I suppose I suppose you, you could see a situation just maybe, just maybe where tribal Labour voting holds up in a way that's unexpected and that people keep Labour Party roughly where they are now. Sure. Maybe they pick up a few maybe they pick up Kent Town and like a few others like that, maybe. And then Liberal Democrats do a lot better than it looks like they will do. And you do have a proper comeback of Liberal Democrats, which I don't think will happen. But I think they will in Lewis. I think it I think they will in Lewis and I think around here, but I think the South West is probably not coming back. Um, I think possibly South West London is but they, they like to be in the snap part of the compass anyway. Well, I'm not sure all parts of the compass will Okay. Anyway, it, it, you can see a situation and where possibly in the where they won't come back. Yeah, you can mm-hmm. see a situation possibly where the Liberal Democrats do against what I'm saying. I think they might get between fifteen and twenty seats. I don't think they're going to get north of thirty. So, I'm t- so th- I suppose there's a, but there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of seats in which UKIP votes hemorrhaging to the to the Conservatives yeah. mean that they will be. That even That's if right, Labour yeah, voting okay, okay. on on current polling, all of this is completely impossible. No, no, sure. I'm saying sure, if, sure. There, if, but, there, but if there is a, if there is a fairly significant polling error, 
in which the Labour vote... And it's not like that up, would be unprecedented. Exactly. Labour vote maybe holds up a lot more than people think it will because people don't actually care about Jeremy Corbyn, they care about their traditional voting, and that doesn't get through as much as we think it will. Um, I, I can see a possible situation where there's a there you get knocked back into coalition. However, I don't really think it's possible. I think there's a Tory majority pretty much whatever happens. I think the, I think the Tory majority might be significantly smaller than people think it will be. I think it will too. I so, don't, think, so if I don't coming, think she'll have a three-digit So if I'm answering the question, I, I think there's a chance that Labour vote will hold up more than I think it should. Um, I, I think there's a possibility of people's just... Like I say, just if fifteen percent are hearing strong and stable, do they care about Jeremy Corbyn? I mean, is, or is it just they vote red? I don't know. I, I honestly am a bit lost. There. So, but I think probably the the range of possible scenarios is Tory majority, large, small, tiny Tory majority to overwhelmingly massive Tory majority on an unprecedented historic scale. I'm not sure which of those I prefer, because tiny Tory majority, unstable Theresa May. She's not going to go. Oh well, I haven't had my. Uh, my, my gamble's not paid off and so I'm going to be going soft Brexit now. She's going to be going, right, I need the votes of the hardest Brexit people in my party. So it's going to go, as we say, I think a, to- a small Tory majority is going to be significantly more right-wing than a large Tory majority. Me too. So in- Although you don't know who this year's intake is. What's quite well, interesting is... However, you know, we do know, we do know about first-year MPs and what we do know about first-year MPs is first-year MPs are told. very beholden and they do what they're told. Yeah. For the most part, you don't tend to rebel yeah. in your first term as an MP. That was so I think- true of the last intake. It was less true in the last Much less, And it was less true in 2005. I think, I think it could go either way, but I, if we're saying yeah. of which of those is my... So which of those, frankly, both rather undesirable scenarios. Because my ideal scenario is that they ditch Corbyn tomorrow um, and they install... Um, Keir? Keir Starmer? Honestly, I don't think Labour Party's getting anywhere with the male leader. No, they should... They've got loads of great women. Like, the, the most leader. eloquent ones. Why? Of any kind. Why should it be relevant? Because Labour Party has... Well, because... A, meritocracy is a ludicrous concept, but we'll go through that another day. But also, because I don't think Labour Party has good men currently in its current stock of MPs, oh, whereas fine. it does have terrific fine. female MPs. And I don't then think they're getting And if we're picking any of the men currently in the Labour Party, we're, we're making a mistake because the fine. women are all better. And there are, just and when, any of just them. when they have them as talking heads, you're like, my God, the difference is huge. Just in terms no, no, no. of like eloquence. It's also... Yeah. Oh, that was a with great... With one obvious female exception. Oh, yes. Well, with one, obviously, with the slogan, let's say that. Um, But I, and I think, but also I think tactically there's an element in which um, I think there's the flavour of politics now has drifted more towards a female style of leadership. I think people are very impressed when they see Nicola Sturgeon arguing with Leanne Wood and stuff. Mm. The last election, two years ago, that that, the the, the big takeaway Mm. from all those debates was like, God, women are good. Those women talking to each other and these men who have kind of... The men don't look like they've achieved their positions by anything other than posturing and masculine strutting. And I think... I I, I just think tactically and literally as a consequence of who's currently in the parliamentary party, they'd be mad if they didn't choose one of the eminently qualified, extremely capable... I'm much more comfortable with the idea of it being being, um, on the basis of merit rather than... Tactics. Well, I'm, I'm not. Because, I, because I, I, I don't like. I don't like the idea of meritocracy no, anyway. I'm but okay. I think meritocracy is silly. Oh, this is this a long podcast? I don't care. It's fine. It should be long. It's one forty-four. It should be long. It should be long. I'm not making it any shorter. I'll be back in a minute. But I still haven't um, fucking said who is going to be my. Thing. Well, hang on a minute, because if they ditch Corbyn tomorrow, if in your so my ideal desire. So hang on a minute. The party splits. The party has to split. Something. Why do it split if they ditch Corbyn tomorrow? Yeah. The parliamentary party must split. No. 
Well, it doesn't but, matter if the people who were not members of the Labour Party three years ago go back to not being members of the Labour Party. That's not a split, that's just people going back to where they came from. That's a really, really good point. You know, that's not a split. The Socialist Workers' Party continuing to be the Socialist Workers' Party is no, not a split. So. Really, really, really good point. So, you know, that's so, okay. So Corbyn leaves tomorrow and someone comes in and they manage to force a hung parliament. It's so destabilising they have to call another. Maybe that'd be nice, but possibly. Before, between, before first, really, after like, first introducing PR, presumably. That's, that's not in my ideal scenario. I just think at some point down there, I think where I was it used to be 52% the other way, I'm now 52% this way. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm. I think within the realm of possibility, I'm choosing between tiny Tory majority, moderate or large. And I guess I think moderate is better because what you say about Jeremy Corbyn going, you're actually not quite right that it's most likely if there's a thumping majority because a thumping majority will knock out a lot of the people needed to prevent his successor getting on the ballot. So if you have if you have a ridiculous 180 majority of the Conservative Party, then the people taken, in safe London seats yeah, are, are still going to be massive, and they're so. still there. So yeah. they they all there. And also, if you have a vastly reduced parliamentary party, you need far fewer people yeah, to yeah, get yeah. Um, uh, Rebecca Long Bailey on the ballot, and then it's just another Corbyn, and we're in no better situation than we were. So um, we, I left that party. It's not we anymore. They. Um, it's hard to say they. I feel weird about it. Um, so probably I think probably my best case possible scenario and this is the, must be the most depressing sentence I would say would be a moderate Tory majority of, a moderate Tory majority of moderate Tories well I've been waiting 25 years to hear Simon say that ladies and gentlemen so that's probably the moment at which we should draw a line under this evening's and also our lives I'm now going to jump from holding <laughs> at some kind that is fucking. That's but that's no good. Someone who like me does and not. Actually, that's not true. That that's is not true because that is a failing it. democracy where someone like me, who clearly does not in any way want a moderate Tory majority of moderate Tories, is saying that's my best case scenario. That is a failed system. I do. I would be very very happy politically with a moderate Tory majority of moderate Tories. <laughs> exciting on one level about the current state of the Labour Party is that just as some of some extremely capable centrist politicians flocked to Blair mm. what one could hope that the next generation of genuinely capable impressive centrist politicians will flock to Cameron and potentially a post 17 election May who is no longer in hock to the to the loony tunes on the right. I think I think her stance. I don't think has made much impossible. I don't, I think, don't think that's possible now. I don't think. I think some of the minutia of Brexit will come to be seen more as minutia than it is at the moment. And other stuff, I mean, fox hunting and generally announced policies that have all skewed rightward and socially oh, rightward. The fox hunting thing today is bizarre. It is bizarre. And really it's unnecessary. Bizarre. I don't know what you need to do that for. I mean, I, and fox hunting, I think, is more complicated than people let on, but just fucking leave it alone. It just yeah, doesn't quite. matter. No. I mean, the conversation we had in the so, That's settled. Lisa. Yeah, exactly. If anything is settled. And, and the thing about that one is. I and mean, it can only be a very specifically Incidentally, right, just people, if you are listening, I think this is just, we're just going to carry on for a little bit. But that's it, as far as like the content. We've done the prediction thing now. So you can, you can go 
and we're just going to carry on. But you just go, you just you see, we're going to carry on for a bit. It might get a bit quiet because I'm going to step out for a fag in a minute, so we might be on the doorstep. But if you just want to listen while we're just talking out, so you just listen. That's They're not called fags anymore. They're called homosexuals. <laughs> yes, Joel. But I, I do enjoy one on the doorstep. From Have time you thought time. about becoming a more right YouTube celebrity? I'm not all right. I know you're not. I neither know have YouTube. I, neither have I, but I, I, I've considered. And, and my status as a celebrity would last for about two minutes, notwithstanding the demise of the news of the world. I've considered. I, I'm, very, I'm not an alt-right either, obviously, but I've considered becoming an alt-right YouTube celebrity. Just for the money. Is there a lot of money in it? Fuck yeah. No, I, I gave up my... I, you know, I've long since decided that there were better things in life. Well, two years ago, and after two years of total fucking penury, I'm starting to rethink it. Yeah, well, kid, my mum is over visiting at the moment. Yeah. And, and um, she's an alt-right YouTube celebrity. No, she's not. She's, she lives in Germany. Your brother, she moved to Germany a few <laughs> years ago. She's Austrian. Yeah, and she's, she's Austrian. She's living... Um, she's back living in lower um, Germany with her brother and her partner. Um, and um, we Google chat with um, her video chat with her so she can talk to Ryder and um, see him and stuff and because of that she I'm can I'm fascinated because I have no idea where this is going okay so she um, because of that she's able to he's able to know who she is when she wants oh, to visit so she's here at the moment oh, lovely. so when we picked her up from the station he was saying servus to her which is like an Austrian word for hey how you doing sort of thing mm-hmm. um, and um, he knows he knows who she is. That's it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. On YouTube, I think we we watched a lot of videos on how to make puppets when we made our puppets. Just tutorials, lots and lots of tutorials. And I think before Brexit, I spent a long, a lot of time telling these people that I work with, you should look on YouTube because they'll show you how to do it. They'll show you how to do it. Look here, here's one. They'll show you how to do it. And now I just feel like. It's softened a bit, but I don't feel like I, I'm ever going to be okay with them ever again because I can't I can't get over that they I can't get over them not listening to me. I think it feels like they didn't listen to me. And I didn't tell them what to do, I told them how to find out information. And I think I think the way that they found out information obviously disappointed me so much that I just kind of like if if I'm asked now, Julie. Not because they voted to leave. It's because not, of why they voted to leave. It's it's the the reason why we made why, podcasts. We if, did it for they, free. You were If on they it. had done it for ideological reasons, it doesn't have to be high-minded ideological reasons. It sure. could be, I think, that, I think that as a result of our immigration, there are too many Muslims here, and I think that it's, whatever. Like. That what you think? No, that's not what I think. <laughs> but if, if they said that, if they said, if they had some coherent. I feel like my culture, even if you didn't agree, well. my culture is precious to me, and I my feel it's being eroded. Yeah, I no, feel like, fine, and I and I fine. and I am usually quite good at softening people's racism. So when they when they say something racist, I go, "What you actually mean is you mean this, right?" <laughs> and they'll say, "Oh yeah, because you know, because you know, I work with Elizabeth, and she's lovely, isn't she? And she's from where's she from, Julie? She's from I say she's from she's Nigeria, from foreign, isn't but, she? Yeah, yes. she's she's from Africa, in fact. Um, but but." They still, they still say things like, Julie, um, can you find this thing out for me? And you're like, I mean, I'm not sure I want to do that anymore because you, you, you don't listen to me. Like, you don't listen to me and you just 
decide to do things based on these really tribal things, these really racist things that you've chosen to do. And and I'm not sure I'm comfortable with your racism. Like you you've I've worked with you for ten years. Like you know that you've learned things from me that you haven't that you would not have learned anywhere else because for some reason I've chosen to work in this place because it suits my lifestyle. Sure. And and I can't I can't get past it. And I and so on the day that I went into work, I was just fuming. Like... But at the same time, as the day went on, and more and more people were kind of shaking because I think they were worried about their money. Basically, they were worried about their money. They were like, "What's going to happen to my savings?" And I was like, well, "I don't know, Julie. What's going to happen to my savings?" It was a very, it was like, a very weird. Friday. I was like, "Well, yeah. what? What did you think was going to happen?" And they, were, I didn't think it. I didn't think it was going to happen. Like, I didn't think it was going to happen, Julie. I had, I had <laughs> colleagues, I had colleagues <laughs> storm into the room. Fling their fling their bags down and look at me with genuine venom and say, mm. "I hope you're happy." Yeah. Right. And it lasted it lasted three hours, and that was only sixty percent serious. And then that percentage tailed off through the course of the day. Yeah. But these are you know hardened genos that that for for whom what, you're I think of you. she... the thing that just on that yeah. on that point of how you now feel about them. Yeah. The thing that has astounded me in my two years in the People's Republic of Brighton and Hove. Mm is I don't, I think of myself as being in in the top quite small percent of politically aware, politically engaged people. Not right, but reasonably well read. Mm. Yeah. Reasonably, reasonably across current affairs. And That's a, enough. An argument. Mm. And although there are things that I believe and conclusions that I have come to. I don't think it makes you a bad person to have come to completing conclusions or alternative positions, with a few obvious exceptions, right? For me, Donald Trump's misogyny Mm. is disqualifying. Mm. It doesn't matter how long your job's been gone from the rust belt. If he says the things, if he treats women the way he treats women... You cannot elect him to dog catcher, let alone anything else. Yeah. Everything else pales into insignificance. Because it's unseemly. I just, it just offends me on a really visceral level. Mm. Right? So there are things like that where I do understand that sense of, well, if you believe that, you can't be a good person. If mm. you believe that, you're disqualified from talking to me about anything else. But it's quite a small list for me. Mm. You know, it's extreme misogyny. It's extreme discrimination and racism. It's it's well, that's probably you know that and that and kitty fiddlers, you know. And but in the main, everybody else, I'll listen to how they got to their conclusion, and I'll agree with a certain percentage of it or a certain percentage of the of the argumentation. What I have found is, particularly here, and particularly among um, ideologues on the left. They cannot allow... I've never had a disagreement of that nature, that mm. visceral nature, with anybody about UK politics. I have never felt, you, you support the Greens, I'm not listening to anything else you say. Right? I, you can't substitute Green for anything else on the British political spectrum and, and lose me. Mm-hmm. But I can do that with interlocutors in this city by saying Tory. Yeah. And I don't understand that. I find it. I find it... I understand why there are particular policies and I understand why there are particular individuals who you feel, that's just uncaring. You just don't get it. You just, you're not, 
you're not the right person to be making these decisions and you don't have the right life experience to, to lead you to the right conclusion about the effect you're going to have on these people's lives at the margins, right? You're just wrong in the job and you're mm. too self-absorbed. But, but I can't get to kill Tory scum. No. And I think it was before the tape was rolling when I was talking about walking into a squat on, on Circuit Street where it had... Don't no, worry about it. This is over with. This is just bonus for anyone who still cares. No people are illegal and, and peace, love and do your dishes right next to kill Tory scum. And the 50 people in the squat thought that they were... Nobody batted an eyelid. It was, it was yeah. such an obvious thing so to write well, on the wall. Yes. When I go on about the loss of shame and the loss of, um, uh, of, of self-criticism and, and stuff like that, and just people's self-esteem just generally being too high, I apply that equally to the left, I think. Absolutely explains Corbyn. I think Corbyn and Trump are mirror phenomena. Yeah, they're, they're that's a really identical. Point. That's a really interesting. Point. Identical language is used. Identical yeah, yeah, tribal thing. And the die Tory scum stuff is the same as the kill. Kill. Sorry, I keep saying die. Yeah, yeah kill. Play, but actually, actively kill. kill. Do it yourself. Yeah. yeah, but it's the same as it's the same as the, the, the right wing. The, the, it's the same as someone kill. kill like God hates fags and stuff. It's the same impulse. And it's the same. And it's supported it's the same by self righteousness. And it's the same. It's supported by kill, kill, because it's not kill, Tory scum. It's kill, kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. kill, yeah, kill. So it, it's, yeah. it's that. And I think, I think when you were, and this is why I worry about you know, the internet. And it's like, well, you were less connected to people. And I, you know, having been a vociferous advocate of like the idea, that, you know, you find the others. Like if you're, if you're the one guy who wants to wank off. Over ponies yeah, yeah, in your yeah, village. Yeah. It's amazing yeah. that you yes. can find the other twenty guys who want to do that and do it together. Like, yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, but there is something now, about <laughs> not necessarily about pony wanking, but but about the general no, sense it of, is beautiful. of diaspora communities. Arcs of rainbow chism <laughs> flying over the face of ponies. If this Across podcast continents. is not now called Arcs of Rainbow Jism, you've let me down. <laughs> well, so. I might have to stop it. But, but but that beautiful thing, I think, is good. Shall, the, the, shall we pause this, incidentally, so as not to. The downside, oh yeah, arcs of rainbowism. That's this is this has been over for a while. I probably won't have kept all of this in, but just in case, I have. Yeah. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Thanks.